Hey, Spit and Chicklets listeners, you can find every episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Welcome to episode 270 of Spittin' Chicklets, presented by Pink Whitney for my friends at New Amsterdam Vodka here in the Barstool Sports Podcast family. It is Memorial Day weekend, so hopefully everyone is fully stocked with the old Pink Whitney, and of course you're going to enjoy it responsibly this weekend. Hopefully you guys uh, got something on tap. Mikey Grinelli, producer, say hi to you first. What do you got planned? Anything? You should get Jersey Beaches, right? Uh, yeah, not much planned. I uh, I did join a Blade gang this weekend. I got myself a pair of rollerblades, just been Buzzing around New York City, got some street hockey balls, been stick handling, keeping my head up the whole time, looking for traffic. I feel like I'm wet out there, but uh, guys, things are going great right now. I'm fighting through some blisters, so but life could be worse. Stronger ankles. Fucking right, Mike. Could always be worse. Next up, the wit dog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's up, guys? Uh, w- once again, said it last time, feels like forever since we chatted. Biz, I saw you. Uh, last night, which was Tuesday with the Austin Matthews Keith Yano matchup. We'll get into that, but it's a pleasure to be here. Golf is back. The weather's been beautiful. It's just a, it's just, a, it's, it's, it's as good of a time right now as you can make out of a shitty time, right? Is that a good description? Perfect. There we go. Perfect. And last but not least, Paul Biz Nasty Bissonette. How you doing, buddy? You got anything uh, planned for the weekend? Well, I, I first want to acknowledge the pep in your step coming out of the gate there off the hello, everybody. And then, G, going over to you, you mentioned the Blade Gang. If we mention rollerblading and don't, and don't mention Chucky Slick, for some of those of you who listen who aren't online might not know who this guy is, but this guy is basically the backpacker of hockey. And I know that when you mention you're part of this Blade Gang, you got a few tweets about him. We'll eventually either get him on or do a piece on him because I think he's a very, very interesting, unique individual. So shout out Chucky Slick. We are not forgetting about you. And to move it along to Wit here, of course you're in a great mood. You're back out there playing golf every fucking day. Yeah, not every day, Biz, but um, yeah, good amount, good amount. Did, so for sure. did, I mean, have you, have you been in the backyard practicing on your swing? No, because I don't want to rip up the grass, lay down some beautiful sod. The pool's finished also. I should have mentioned that. Came out incredible. Got the TV set up outside, the grill, the chairs, the fire pit. I mean, let, let me tell you, I'm dialed in this summer. Dialed in. I hope you guys come and check it out at some point. Absolutely, man. I love to. The key to outdoor, the outdoor TV, you got to have no glare, man. Nighttime's best. This is an outdoor day. TV. Apparently, this thing is, is what you need. So let's hope it goes well and it can stay out there all year. I was thinking when I got it, a, a fall fire pit Patriots game. That, that means, <laughs> does that not get you going after 18 holes? Big time, big time. Uh, we do have a pair of guests once again. Uh, it's like we're back to one episode a week, so if we can fatten it up a little for you, we can. We have a two-and-a-half-time cup winner. His own words, he'll explain it for you. <laughs> Colin Fraser, great guest, had a lot of laughs with him. That hour flew by. And we also have Tampa Bay forward Alex Colon to come by. Uh, he's a quote-unquote influencer now, so he, he's going to talk about being an influencer on Instagram now. So that'll be pretty funny as well. Uh 
Got some news. I mean, I guess it's an update. There's things kind of trickling out here and there. Pierre Lebrun, who's been on top of everything from day one, uh, he reported that the return to play committee has made progress on a 2014 format. Now, that's not a 2014 playoff. There's, there's going to be a play-in with eight of those teams. So that technically, there will be 16 teams in the playoffs if they were to go with this format. Uh, they're still talking about having the two hub cities with 12 teams in each city. Again, everything is hypothetical, possible possibility right now. Nothing even close to set in stone. Um, you know, there's still issues about testing. What if one guy tests positive? Is that going to blow everything up? And, you know, the players want to be cooped up in a hotel room for a month, two months, three months at a time. Well, maybe two months at a time. No family. There's all these other little things that pop up as well. Uh, one other note, too, the NHLPA's executive board has voted to further defer a decision on that last paycheck. I think it's obvious they're waiting to see what happens with the season before they probably wait on that paycheck. What uh, What's your take on where we are right now? It's baby steps. Yeah, it's just a little hope, I think, for people who yeah. really want to see hockey because you're at least seeing what it could look like if it goes down. There's a there's a blueprint that's starting to come about here if, if there is hockey. Now, I, I, I can't see guys just itching to get back and play if they got to wait another, another uh, 50, 60 days after what they've already been through since the season got canceled so or delayed. Um, I... The other thing too is is the border issue because that's just I don't know if you just mentioned that I I was just reading an article today about you don't even can't even get Canada you you can't even get back in and it's like only essential travel so at least if it happens you know how it's going to go down and you could start arguing about that but it's still a long way from actually happening. Wait, let me ask you a question uh, from a player perspective. Now, the players have already been paid for the season. You don't make any more additional money in the playoffs unless you get like a, a cup bonus. Is that correct? Uh, you make money per every round. It goes up. And then if you if you win the cup, I don't know. Do you know what the cup bonus is now, Biz? Um, I don't, which I should. That's right up my fucking alley. <laughs> um, and going back to your comment, R.A., I believe – at this point, the players are deciding on whether they're going to receive their last paychecks because we all know what the escrow situation is going to be like if, in fact, they don't come back and play. Because at this point, lost revenue might be $1.1 billion, I think I read, okay? And let's go back to you guys talking. A couple Debbie fucking downers over there. All right, you're dangling the carrot from Pierre Lebrun. By the way, you're kind of dressed like a carrot today, so it kind of fits perfectly let in me, here. Let, let me show the proper love, though. Who is that? Oh, Bob Marley. Love love the fucking shirt, all right? Guys, I'm an optimist. I think that what they're doing right now is they're slowly planning on the return. Let's hope another second wave does not come of, of whatever's going on out there, the coronavirus. That's going to swoop by, and then they're going to be able to put these players in a facility, whether they decide on Edmonton, I'm hearing that's popping up. I've also heard Vegas, which to me seems like the perfect spot, given the fact that they have resorts everywhere. Maybe on these guys' days off, they could take a page out of Whitney's book and hit the links and make it a safe environment. Of course, safety is the number one issue, but I... And very optimistic that they're going to do this 24 team rollout. And some people are like, why 24 teams? Guys, there's a business component to this, okay? More teams, more money, more fans engage. Yay, sports, more gambling. Are we allowed to talk about gambling on this podcast? We are. Thumbs up from G. There you go. So everybody's happy. Penn National. Penn National Gaming. I am going to be the optimist of the podcast, and I believe that hockey does have a strong possibility of coming back, and everyone's going to stay safe, and the Arizona Coyotes are going to be crowned as Stanley Cup champions. Yeah, I, I just don't know how I feel about watching 
playoff hockey with no with no fans in the stands, Biz. I, I, I see golfers coming out saying just move the Ryder Cup back if there's no fans. I don't know. Maybe in the fall you can't have them even when you start next year. So it, it's kind of a stupid point by me if it's going to be the case no matter what. But I don't know. I'm just not sold on the season coming back. I, I, I think if it does, I'll be thrilled. Get to throw some action on these games. We'll get, we'll get, we'll have some things to talk about here on the Chicklets podcast. And in the end, maybe be a good thing. But as of right now, I'm on the, I'm on the arrow pointing down side with, as I'm doing with my pointer finger. Wit, and, and to touch on your comment, how some of these players not, might be that excited to come back and and I can understand from a player perspective because they're in limbo right now you know maybe they're back home hanging out with their friends and it's harder to stay in shape not knowing what's going on it's it's evident that some of these teams are in places where players have stuck around I believe they have taken it more seriously some teams also have a lot of guys coming back from injury Colorado being one of them so a lot of these guys were probably taking it a little bit more seriously to recover from their injuries and get back to possible game shape given the fact that they probably had some rest you know over the course of the time they were injured so to me there are some teams and we're going to have one guy on coming up here Alex Kalorn where Tampa you got to imagine all their fucking guys are still in Tampa all staying in shape a good environment and those types of teams that are staying in shape and taking this break a little bit more seriously than others are going to have the advantage if in fact this thing gets kicked back up who who are some of the teams you would give the advantage to right now who probably remain the most disciplined and also had a lot of the same the the core group of guys if not the whole team stay in one city vegas to me we talked to revo he said the whole team's still there yeah but what if they're all getting after it together every night well they ain't going to fucking day clubs because they ain't open yeah, you don't think some of those dudes have backyards Speak that can throw a banger of a day club party? Yeah, that's true. They I mentioned my new backyard. Ones. If we were, if I, we could have a uh, we could have a day party in Milton, Massachusetts, guys. I, I that's why I threw this out there, social distancing style. But Biz, I, I can't say which team I think. I mean, I'm, I'm just going to say any the youngest team, the youngest team that was in the hunt based on this layoff. And it, it, the thing is, if you're sitting around and you had a date in – if you had a date told to you, all right, this is when we get going, you, you need to be able to have a plan, to have to have a schedule in terms of when you're ramping up the training, when you're going to relax, when the couple days off before the season begins will be. They don't know anything. So how the hell are these guys going to be staying in, in shape in, in which like it's got to be a little mentally exhausting every day going in there and not even knowing where you're going to end up and when it's going to happen. Well, I think it's going to come down to accountability and leadership. And you mentioned the fact that you give the the advantage to maybe the younger guys. Okay, fair enough. I don't know. Are those the guys who would take the off ice as seriously given this situation? Maybe there's some temptations that are sucking them in. No, they're young think- thoroughbreds. You throw them out there and they skate 400 miles an hour and they all get multiple point games every week. It's Those kids are fine. But these okay. younger guys, they're hockey nerds, most of them anyways, but don't even drink. Okay, so based off what you're saying, if things get back going, you'd probably give the Leafs a pretty good chance. They got to take a lot of young could buzz. We talked to Matthews the other day. He's seeing the ice through the video game. Okay, well, might as well jump jump right into that then, all right? 
Oh. Did you watch it, R.A.? Oh, God, yeah. I mean, Keith Yandel is must-see television. He was like NBC <laughs> in the 80s. Absolutely tuned in for, for just for him. I mean, you guys are obviously funny, too, but we don't get Keith all the time. And he was. I put it on. You know, I tweeted it to support the squad, and then I had it on for five minutes, and I tweeted it again. I'm like, you got to put this on. Yandel's that fucking funny. He's just, you know, like everybody has a buddy like that. He's the funniest guy of the crew, and I'm glad everybody got to enjoy him. What's up, G? And then this Friday, we'll have uh, Pat Connington from the Milwaukee Bucks versus Frankie Borelli of the Four Play Podcast and of uh, All Right Frankie fame. Wow. Let's- wow. All right. Interested to get your thoughts on that, Wet. I know you and uh, Borelli go at it a little bit with his Islanders love, and I would say... I would say his na- naiveness. Is that a word? Naive, it's naivete. Naive, naivete. <laughs> All right. Learned that in journalism school at North Adams State, 1993. <laughs> oh, so you're not fucking with me. That's actually yeah. a word? Naivete? Yeah, the, 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 yeah, the noun version of being naive is naivete. Yeah. R.A. is still high-stepping out of the gate Yeah, right you now. are. You're buzzing. Good for you. Like Marcus Allen. Fair Academy colors on, too. Just orange Listen, and black. Listen, I know, I know some of you people listening aren't big video game people, but we're having a good time jumping on these Twitch streams. I mean, it's nice to see the boys. Austin Matthews pop by as well. Uh, great catching up with him. Uh, you know, we joked around a little bit. It's good seeing these guys' personality outside the rink because, uh, you know, when uh, when they get around the rink, sometimes they're, they're a little on edge. So stop by. We're doing that Tuesdays and Fridays at 8 p.m. Eastern. Grinelli's been organizing the whole thing. He's growing up before our eyes. And you I don't know if you mentioned it at the top of the episode, you guys ended up taking down the Washington Capitals professional esports team, correct? You I've, and come, Means? I've come a long way since uh, losing 20 to nothing. I'll tell you guys that much. We took down a pro gaming team last night. We actually had Ollie from uh, On the Bench join us. Those guys are hilarious. And uh, Daddy Padre as well. But we had a we had a squad and we took down a professional gaming team. Congratulations! Very impressive. Yeah, it's quite a world, man. I, I I'm amazed at what these kids. I mean, the the cream of the crop making millions of dollars playing video games. I mean, some of these kids are clearing a million a month from YouTube and shit. It's it's yeah, a long fucking time from Atari. On, I believe the uh, episode or not the episode when when Blackburn played Carlson. I think we talked about that. But I, I said to Biz that. Yeah, I feel the exact same way. Like, I have the same amount of fun doing that as when we're recording here. I think if you enjoy the podcast, even if you're not necessarily going to care at all about the video game, we don't either, really. <laughs> we're just, we're just all shoot the shit. Like, it's not, I would, I would, ch- I would have you check it out. I know it's hard for, for some of you guys who just maybe still have the, um, AM, FM radio and your grandkid helps you get to the podcast app on your iPhone, but you can figure <laughs> it out. It's on all our, on our, all our channels. Um, R.A., before I throw it over to you, so during that Pete Blackburn and John Carlson one, uh, I think Ovechkin had an empty net goal, and I was actually asking him, I said, how many has he got and how many pluses do you think you've gotten because of the empty net goals? And and I thought Ovechkin might have ranked top ever. He is currently sitting third for most empty net goals ever, ever at 39. I did hear Guess you ask him, s- yeah. Oh, okay, so you did hear that. I didn't, I didn't hear who? Second- Gretzky? Wit, you want to answer? Who's in second and first? He's third all yep. time? He's third, currently. Oh, that's so hard. I'm going to say, I'm just thinking of goal scorers that played a long time. Iserman and Gretzky? 
This one's off the board. I don't think many people would have got it. Marion, Marion Hosa with 40. He's oh, one ahead wow. of Alex Ovechkin right now. And it was funny because we were talking on it, and coaches usually reward the guys who aren't cheating. And think of a guy who's more responsible at, at both ends of the ice and a horse and who deserves those empty net goals, Marion Hosa. And, of course, the great one at 56 career empty net goals. So thank you to the fan who sent that over after we jumped off the stream. Nice little stat. I should have thought, yeah, I should have thought of a defensive great. And actually, Biz, speaking of uh, very responsible uh, forwards who can also put the puck in the opposing team's net, we're going to take a call right now from Alex Kalorn, Doc Talk fame, Instagram influencer. Right after RA, you got something about Roman for us, I believe. Absolutely. If you've been dealing with acne, redness, dark spots, or wrinkles, finding treatment that works can be complicated. You need skincare that actually performs, but getting started can be overwhelming, especially for us fellas. Thankfully, there's a solution. Roman makes it convenient to get customized prescription skincare that really performs. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online consultation, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. If appropriate, a doctor will prescribe a custom blended treatment based on your skin type and priorities. You'll receive your custom skincare treatment with free two-day shipping. You'll also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor if you need to make a change to your treatment or you have any questions. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel any time. So go to GetRoman.com slash Bostool for a free online visit and start your new skincare routine today. That's GetRoman.com slash Bostool. Eligibility requirements and additional terms do apply. And now, without further ado, Alex Colon. Well, our next guest is making his return to the show. He's currently in his eighth season with the Tampa Bay Lightning in his first season of Doc Talk with Killer. He's a forward on the ice and a, an influencer offer, according to his uh, Instagram bio. Welcome back to Spit and Chicklets, Alex Colon. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Absolutely, man. So when did you add influencer to the Instagram bio? I got a <laughs> kick out of that. Yeah, it was just, I mean, it was something I decided to do during the quarantine, kind of make the most of my time. Uh, I was talking to Biz about it. It all started with um, this doc talk and how it came about really was our media guy, Brian Breesman, um, continually kept asking me to do uh, a video for the fans, a quarantine video that I'd seen like, you know, 20 other players have done it, you know, shout out to the fans and wishing they would get back soon. And I, I didn't want to do a video like that for some reason. And I figured I would do a Q&A with the fans. And uh, I was out on my dock, so I thought it'd be funny if I did it on my jet ski. Um, kind of picked up. A lot of people started watching, so I decided to go see Stamkos, Hedman, McDonough on the first uh, episode. And fans have really enjoyed it. So it's been, it's been a lot of fun, you know, even though we joke about it. Uh, and it's been, I've been raising money for a good cause, so. Well, I want to get into that right away. I want you to explain why you did it. I think it's awesome that you yeah. you, you got outside your box and, and thought of an innovative, innovative way to incorporate the fans instead of just doing a generic video. And I tell you what, man, it's been popping off, and I couldn't be happier for you. Yeah, I know you said, like, coming out of your box. And um, I know for myself, it's not something I would typically do, especially not in season. But I remember I, I, I texted, like, Stammer, McDonough, and Hedman, and, like, I think Stammer right away was like, no, I'm not doing it. <laughs> and I was like, that's a good start. You know, I thought like maybe one of them would be like, oh, this is going to be funny or whatever. But uh, no, they didn't want to do it at first. And then uh, he was kind of joking. And, and once they came around to it and once we actually did it and they saw how the fans loved it and, and the money we were raising, um, they really got behind it. I actually, I'm filming another video tomorrow. I don't want to give too much away, but Stammer's going to be involved in it. So he's one guy that's tough to get. 
Vasilevsky's another guy in the, in the media that's really tough to get an interview out of. And uh, I was able to do that. So um, it's been fun. Well, it's funny. Uh, I think everyone at home should appreciate hearing that some, sometimes you can't get guys. I uh, People say, you should have so-and-so on. I'm like, he yeah. doesn't want to come on. Alish Hemsky is never coming on this podcast. Just retired, by the way. But but you, it, once they start seeing how much fun you've had, and, and by the way, the other part is you all live that close on this channel or whatever. Yeah, so that's another spot. <laughs> I know, yeah. That's another funny part, like, so I kind of started this for it to be like a fun thing that I did with my teammates and what's really, and to raise money for, for charity. But what's really come of it, it's like the ultimate free agent recruiting video. I mean, I remember my, my GM called me. He's like, I didn't know if he was calling me to tell me like, Hey, like cut it out. Stop cut with the these Instagram videos. And he's like, man, thanks so much. These, these videos are great. The fans love them. Uh, and it's like the ultimate free agent recruiter in the future, in the future. So I think at some point, some free agent's going to sign here because of the, that video, and I'm going to get traded because of it. But Biz whatever. actually, Biz wants to ha- sell um, the 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 what are you, what are they called jet skis with no state tax on the side to also <laughs> remind the, the viewers of the on the recruiting video. Yeah, I know. So no state tax. We all live that, like when we have a team party, like Stammer will, or Hetty will usually have it, and I'll just go on my jet ski over there and then. <laughs> come home it's pretty it's, it's a good lifestyle man and yeah like people are back home are like you know when you come back to canada with the season and stuff and i'm like i'm not going anywhere uh i'm happy here so basically the bucks should thank you for getting tom brady and gronk yeah definitely that was um, all you i have this knack of, of asking three questions at the same time it's kind of like a goosebumps choose your own ending but one of the parts i asked you about my first question was the charity aspect oh, i think that's shit. very important hey, i actually got a shirt here Okay, let's see it. So these are the shirts. Oh, nice. they're tie-dye. gorgeous. Yeah, I so, need one of those. Yeah, I'll send you guys some. I already gave. Actually, I gave one to your buddy, uh, buddy Riggs, and he posted about it. But um, Doc, so Doc. yeah, the Hillsborough Education Foundation is is where the money's going to, and we raised. I haven't checked the numbers. I think it's like fifty grand just selling these T-shirts. Um, so the people are really enjoying it, but. What it's for is basically there's a lot of kids that live below the poverty line in, in like around Tampa. And because school has been canceled, they have no way to communicate with their teachers. So like these fourth graders have no way to continue and, and, and you know, go to the fifth grade. It, sometimes they don't have Wi-Fi. They don't have computers, laptops. So all the proceeds are going to be going to them to help them out to, to finish their school year. That's incredible, That's good. man. Good for you. But yeah. Hey, well, who, who's did you did you ask Sergachev to do all the uh, the video he made with the yoga and everything, or was that was that all his kind that, of? That input? was a previous. So that was kind of how this whole thing came about. Was Sergachev like is an influencer? I don't know if you guys knew that, but him and his girlfriend um, are kind of influencers, and they put out like videos that are kind of funny. And uh, no, our, our the guy who edits my videos just threw that in there out of nowhere. Oh, okay. Yeah, Alex, have you ever done a full Florida summer yet? Like been down there for the whole July, August? I have not. I've, I haven't done a full summer. I've been here until July. Um, and then it gets, it gets pretty hot. You know, it gets a little hot. And then my, my golf course is closed in June. So it's closing in 10, in 10 days. So I got to, I got to join like another course. Usually I'm not worried about playing at this, at this time. So. All right. You know where he goes? Montreal. 
And if you're a hockey player and you go back to Montreal in the summers, that's as close to feeling like God as possible. Am I, am I wrong? Especially during the Grand Prix weekend, top five weekends of my life. Yeah, I mean, so there's – Montreal's a great city in the summertime. Like the old port, that little area in Montreal is great. Um, but the Grand Prix is by far the biggest weekend. You'll get buddies coming in and stuff. Um, I think I ran into you a long time ago before I was in the NHL. In a, in a bathroom during the Grand Prix. I never told no you chance about this. You think? No chance. But you, you, you big-dogged me. Ooh. What do you mean I fucking big-dogged No, he was, lo- he was in one of those lock. Uh, you gotta, you, you I think can't he get said, like, I had more said, like, alcohol and drugs on me and in me, my, my system that no, weekend I wasn't, than I don't ever even before. Think I, I don't even think I was in the NHL or anything at that point, but I just think you walked by me and said, like, mix in a water, bud. And I was like, <laughs> that fucking – that business. I knew your biz nasty thing on, oh, on Twitter. God. You're like, there's that Is fucking douchebag. No, you were, here. you were fine. You were, you were, you were fine. You're having a good time. We went to that David Getta the one night at New City Gas. But hey, back to you. Twenty six fucking goals already this season. You're on pace. Well, you'd already surpassed your career high. You were buzzing. Um, obviously disappointing that things stopped. But we were commenting earlier, you guys are a team where I'm assuming most of the team's still down there. You guys are probably keeping yourselves accountable given what's at stake for this core group. Yeah. If things kick back up, do you think you guys still have a very good chance at, at making a stab at this thing? Yeah, it's funny. I, I was actually golfing with uh, Stammer today and, and Marty St. Louis name drop. But, Is that good? Um, Is that good? <laughs> the reason I brought that up is that we were actually talking about that and we're like, you know what? a lot of people are talking about like if, if somehow someone won the cup, would there be like an asterisk around it? If hockey came back this year and we're like, no man, like, you know what? We're all put in this situation. No one decided this. No one wanted this. Um, and it's just a situation we're in. So um, guys are staying in shape. Some guys have left um, that live in the U S that kind of drove home, but uh, like Florida state law, like we're allowed to go, we're allowed to do a lot of things that other states aren't allowed to do. Um, Florida's basically open, right? Uh, so guys are staying in shape, and um, we're excited for, for the prospect of playing again. I want to go back to the football for a second. Who Before the uh, box squad, Brady and Gronk, who was your, fo- your favorite team in the NFL? Oh, the Pats, yeah. Oh, you, are, exactly. you, are, you are a Pats guy. Well, I, I, went to, I went to school. I went to high school in Massachusetts. I mean, I'm from Canada, right? Like, I don't – I was an Alouettes fan growing up, but um, – I went to school in Massachusetts in high school for two years, and then I went to to Harvard for four years. So I just Not became right a Pats fan. They were they were so good when I was there. <laughs> where 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 were you at high school here? I went to Deerfield uh, Deerfield Academy. Is that good? What a school that is. Yeah, it's good prep school. What about Milton? What do you think of Milton? I drove by it by Witt's place, Cake Eater. Yeah, but Milton Academy, that's not – you don't associate that with me. That is That is not <laughs> who I am. That's a nice area. Yeah, it's beautiful, though. It was. Uh, we were talking uh, a few days ago, Killorn, and you. Um, I know there was rumblings that you might actually get Tom Brady on Doc Talk now. I, I think we where... will. <gasps> okay, and and what was funny though about game changing you reaching out to him was his comment, and I'll let you say it, that you ended up reading a few days after throwing out the invite. I was trying to get Tom Brady on, and by mean when I say try. I wasn't really trying. I just, every single interview I did, I was like, yeah, well, I'm trying to get Brady on. And like every, I've done like 10 interviews while they're like, and I'm just hoping that at some point it'll get to him yeah. and he'll be like, okay, actually another funny story. 
is uh, I was I thought I was going to play golf with him last week because he joined a course nearby, and uh, one of my buddies, Henrik Stenson, invited me to go play golf, and he's oh like, my "I'm playing." God, what a group! He's like, "I'm going to play with some of my buddies," and I'm like, "And Stenson's a, like very low key guy. Like if we were playing with Brady, he wouldn't mention it. He'd be like, "Hey, you want to come out? Like we're just going to play with some buddies." Like love guys like that, and so in my head, I like I think I made it up that I was going to be playing golf with Tom Brady. So I actually sent him a DM the week before saying like, Hey, you want to come on my jet ski talk show? Like, and I was like, well, what if I play golf with this guy? And you're the seeker like, DM on him. Instagram. And then he looks at my DM. Then he never talks to me ever again. Cause I sent him a stupid DM files. So, like, a restraining order. And then I show up to the golf course and it's like three of Stenson's buds from Lake Nona. Whatever, they're good guys. That's that funny, the funniest part Fucking is that pigeon tossing you. No, the, the no, best thanks. part no, is that's that good. you imagine that Stenson's buddies, just his regular old Joe Schmo buddies hanging down the basement, <laughs> was Tom Brady, and then it turns out to be his buddies. <laughs> it was his like, buddies. Dude, I would have told you. Like, I was just, I was, I actually was showing up like so excited. Like, what am I going to say if he's on the range? Like, am I going to give him a fist bump or am I going to shake his hand? You know, like. Should I bring Pierre out? I don't know. But, yeah, no, none of it happened. <laughs> How did you become buddies with Stenson? So, Stenson, re- Hedman knows Stenson because they're both Swedish. We ended up playing around last year at his home course, Lake Nona. And he is, like, the biggest hockey fan you've oh, ever met. Shit. And so when we were playing golf with him, I mean, I'm a bigger golf fan than hockey fan, so I was asking him nonstop golf questions, like, how's it playing with Tiger? Da, da, da. And he couldn't care less. And all he wanted to know was about hockey. So it was funny because <laughs> yeah. we were asking questions about the opposite things, but he was a super nice guy, brought us to his house, had a barbecue. And ever since then, because he lives in Orlando, he'll come down to games and we'll play golf with him. Like, you know, once in a while, uh, it, it's great, man. And for people who, for people who don't know, Henrik Stenson, open British open champion, he flushes the fucking golf ball like no other. So I can't imagine the noise that comes off of this club when you're playing with him. He didn't miss a green. And the funny part was when we first played with him, he didn't know our handicaps, right? Like we can kind of, me and Hedy can kind of play like yeah. Hedy's a, a six. I'm a, I'm a one or two. And, but he's, I'm sure he plays in all these events and he like deals with all these, you know, amateurs. And we're, we're trying to get the back going with him. And we're like, hey, like, what are we going to play? What's going on here? Like, what kind of – and he wouldn't give us anything. He's like, oh, let's just – whatever. Because I think he thought we were, like, 15, 20 handicaps, and he had to give us, like, 30 strokes. Yeah, you're like, no, dude, I could play. Give us, give me five yeah. and five. So in the back nine, he, like, kind of figured it out. He's like, all right, let's play a freaking match. And I'm like, hey, let's get going. We're, we're getting it going. And uh, he literally – so we had played nine holes. He had six birdies. <laughs> And then he's playing, and you guys have the course tipped out. It's just so easy for him. And he, like, he was playing like it was – I don't even know how to compare it to hockey. Like, us just, like, playing soccer before the game. No practice swings, just kind of going up and hitting the ball. Like, just – the the greens were all punched. Like, they weren't rolling well, just hitting every putt. But, um, yeah, you could just tell, like, why these guys are so good. I mean, I think – when you're a one or two, you think you're, like, pretty good you're going around your club you're not even you're not even close not even close i so make he, the sorry base go ahead well i was gonna say so stenson's not invited to the sandbagger 
No, Stenson ain't, ain't coming Fuck to the sandbagger. He he's, a re- he's a reverse. You guys, you guys should come to – I mean, I don't know if you got, how free you guys are, but me and Stammer, me and Hetty would love to play you guys. Oh, yeah. We have – um, we're, we're, this is a done deal in terms of a sandbagger invitational. But. We'll think about it. Hey, we'll yeah, think. I know, I, know I know you're busy, Biz. <laughs> hey, but the, the the Tom Brady situation that I was referring to, I believe he was on Howard Stern and how much he loved Tampa, and he was in like he's like I, I'm over the moon about it. Oh but, yeah, I but. remember that story. Okay, I'll go, I'll go. I forget. So I don't know how we got into Stenson. I was just dropping names, but either no, it was way, me. Tom, it was me. It was you. Okay, Tom. So Tom Brady. I was like, also, <laughs> you're gonna laugh at this. In my mind, I was listening to Howard Stern's interview, like trying to prepare for if I had Tom Brady on top. <laughs> I'm like, hey, what can I like? Howard Stern's pretty good at doing interviews. Let me like figure out how he gets gets some info out of Tom. But either way, the, like the one, so he talks to Howard Stern. And he's like, I absolutely love Tampa. It's the best place. Well, he didn't say that, but he loves Tampa. And he's like, the one thing I don't really like is that my house is right on the water and everyone knows where it is because it used to be Derek Jeter's house. Um, and boaters and jet skiers just kind of roll up to my dock. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I don't have a freaking chance now because I'm going to roll up to his dock. Cancel dock talk. Cancel dock talk. <laughs> but you, you, yeah, no, I don't have a chance, man. It, I think Gronk, we could have a chance. I know he used to live in the same uh, community as – uh, stammer and he'd have his own boat and he had no idea how to work it so he was bumping into the like the dock and everything and he had it's when he had like his arm cast on and he was like bumping the dock and stammer was like got to know him a little bit but he's a, a super nice guy the funniest part of that is he's thinking that if you asked him a question or two from the stern interview he's like bro why are you repeating the stern interview to me right now <laughs> Oh, the Stern interview? I didn't listen to that. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what are you talking about, man? Hey, uh, uh, what's – so you had uh, – I mentioned your 26 goals career high. You must be on the TB12 diet, right, you fucking jock sniffer? <laughs> it's funny, man. I was doing uh, an interview, and the guys give me so much shit about this. Um, like, some guy, Joe Smith, did an interview, and he's like, how did you score 20, 26 goals? Like, how have you been doing so well? Because I hadn't never hit 20 before. And – I told him a bunch of reasons, but I told him I was meditating a lot. And the whole article was about me, like, changing my lifestyle and become, like, a meditation guy. And now in the room, the guys will start meditating. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but the guys are giving me a hard time. But honestly, are you, what are you, you tripping me? No, when I go, like, when I put my hand up, it means I want to go next question. But but sorry for interrupting you. I was going to – all I was going to say is I picture you, like, in the Ace Ventura, you know, when they have all, like, the Buddhists and shit. Like, you walk in, you have your own, like – yeah, own, yeah, like, no, ceremony it's like that, man. I mean, I figure you'd be like a meditation kind of guy, no? Oh yeah, oh. I just, I mean, this can't sit still that long. No time way. out, time out. It's I tough. have started with my essential oils. I'm, I'm like halfway there. If you could see behind me, yeah, Tilly, yeah. You rolled up on someone's dock in one of your shows, right? Didn't you just you would just stop the talk and you ended up like bumping on some guy's dock? And you're like, oh, sorry, buddy. I'm just yeah, no, I. That was my so. That was my first episode and. It's really tough to, to manage everything because you're on the jet ski. It's bumpy. You got to make sure there's a good connection because it's live. And it's not like if I do a couple takes, this will be good. Like, this is live. People are watching this. They're already, you know, 
watching it and I end up on some guy's dock and he's coming out thinking like my jet ski broke down. <laughs> so I was just like, no, buddy, I'm good. Just, I'm going to stammer. So I was just, don't ruin the lie. But I was, yeah. You just was ruined my cut, asshole. <laughs> yeah, no, he was, he was a good guy. Kalorna, I, I didn't want you to think I was chirping you about the meditation aspect, but I would like you to talk I thought about you were, that. I thought you were going like this, like mental midget or something. I don't know, I don't know why you were doing that. So but. For those of you listening, when we're on these Zoom calls, it's hard. The communication's not there, so we got to know no. who's up next, and we don't want to undercut yeah. each other. So uh, Zoom calls are tough. Live is way better. But let's get back to the meditation because I believe that is important. Yeah, so I remember reading this book. And it was called, I don't want to get too into it, but it was called Tools of Titans, this guy, Tim Ferriss. And he basically interviewed, I think it was like the most successful business people, athletes, everything in the world. Like this guy um, did a huge, huge book. And he said the most common thing they all had, I think 80% of them med- meditated. Oh, shit. So I, I started doing it last year. Um, and it kind of just keeps you balanced, man. Like I remember when I used to score, I used to get so happy. And when I'd have three bad games, I'd get so down on myself. And now I'm just kind of like, I score whatever I don't like just play well, you know, um, how, how and guys will give you a hard time, but it's, you know, I think it helps. I think that's ridiculous because I play with Jordan Wheel, and he used to meditate before every single game. And and you know it's different, and we, we joke around about it. I wouldn't I wouldn't lay into him because I'm like this guy's fucking lighting the lamp. He ended up being Calder Cup MVP. Whereas I talk to friends who do it, and I would like to get into it. It just calms your mind down. It's another great natural way in order to calm down anxiety as well. Have you felt it help with that? Yeah, I mean, I didn't have terrible anxiety, but, like, I had trouble sleeping a lot, like, especially night after games. So, before – I would do it before I go to sleep, like, and it just helps you I'd, – I'd sleep a lot better. Interesting. Yeah. I saw you, Al, when you were on the jet ski. The arena is right near the – is that the canal you live on? Are you that close to the arena? Like, could you jet ski? We're not <laughs> – we're not that – we're I'm close enough. It would take me about 10 minutes to get to the – to the arena and I always have this like dream <laughs> it's like this dream that basically the bridge gets stopped up on my on my because we all live on an island it's called Davis Island and the bridge gets blocked and there's no way off and we have a game and the only way to get to the game is in a jet ski and I always just think about that me getting in a suit and just ripping down the canal on a jet ski and rolling up to the game because there's a dock literally right there so it could be done Chucking the chucking the jet ski keys to the valet guy, <laughs> taking off your flippers. Yeah, like you put, put some nice shoes on. <laughs> Killer, do you find yourself judging uh, shows or movies that have jet skis in them? Like when Kenny Powers was out there ripping on his, or or even in that Tiger King documentary when that whatever it was was buzzing around on his. Or are you like, oh, I know what what model that is. I don't know any of the models. I just know I've been on CDU to get me a deal. They've like sent me a bunch of stuff, but they haven't given me a jet ski yet. Um, no, I, the part of the reason I started doc talk was because I thought Kenny powers on the jet ski was like the funniest thing ever. Um, and then when that guy came out on tiger King, uh, it, it just made it even more like that was a ridiculous scene. And I tried to, I tried to mimic it when he's like slow motion riding with his like jet ski and his like body, his, his life vest stuck like this. But I, I mean, I couldn't really do it. Um, but yeah, that was, that was, that was kind of part of it. 
You'd have to have a lot of food to be able to mimic how that guy <laughs> looked on his jet ski. But hey, Killer, thank you so much, man. It's pretty cool to watch what you've done down there. And I, I, I had no idea it really wasn't your personality and you, and you kind of took you a little bit to get into it. So you're, you're a natural at it and I appreciate you coming on, dude. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. And stay tuned because I, I told you guys I got a video. Well, it's being filmed tomorrow. So I don't know when All you guys right. release this stuff. Right. But and sandbagger. And sandbagger. sandbagger. And, killer, yeah. and killer, don't forget, I would never insult you for the meditation thing. I would never call you a mental measure for that. And you have 20 fucking six goals in the show this year. That's – I'm not a math guy, but that's like four or five times more than I had in my fucking career. So congratulations. No, I know, I know. I, was, I just wasn't sure. Right. And best of luck to, to you guys when you uh, face off against the Yotes in the finals. Big thanks to Alex Colon for joining us like that. Hopefully his show takes off. It's been uh, pretty funny so far. We do want to mention that interview was brought to you by Bud Light Seltzer. The great taste in seltzer from Bud Light that comes in four delicious flavors. It's unquestionably good. Bud Light Seltzer is a proud sponsor of Spit and Chicklets and also now a proud sponsor of the East Coast Hockey League Player Relief Fund programs, a league that is near and dear to Biz from early in his career. This support will help go to players, coaches, and all the staff that help to make this league a vital part of the hockey community. A reminder to everybody to stay safe and indoors, and luckily, you can get Bud Light Seltzer delivered to your door with Drizzly. First-time users can get $5 off with the code BUDLIGHT at checkout. Some restrictions do apply. All right, boys, a couple other stories to get to. Hey, I wonder if Alex Cohen started a trend biz amongst uh, players. Our, our pal Scotty Gomez looks like he's getting into the content act on Instagram. He launched Scotty Gomez, learned to be a pro. Uh, he built the fire Alaskan style, which is pretty entertaining in the least. I thought it was hilarious. He launched it on his unverified account instead of his verified account. So you might want to give Scotty a heads up if you're talking to him. He, he's got two accounts. He might want to use the verified one. But either way, he taught us how to light a fire. It was pretty funny. Did you check it out, Biz? I did see that he's uh, he's a gem i've been getting tons of dms about getting him back on already yeah. folks we got a lot of people to get to we got ta- through basically we got through one one year of his career didn't we <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> One player. Gomer played for like 17 years. I don't even think we got past his rookie season. No, no, we didn't. And we still have to talk, uh, talk to him. Uh, I would say it would be, I would be confident in saying we at least get him once every nine months. Would that be a, a fair assessment? He's going to be in the rotation just like Teddy Purcell is, who, by the way, who, by the fucking way, messaged me yesterday. And you know who he said he might be able to get on here? Danny fucking Heatley. Mr. Oh, 50 and 07 dear. himself might be coming on. He go, he go, his quote was, I want to make him beg a little bit more. And I said, that's exactly what I'd expect from a 50 fucking goal scorer. <laughs> we got to beg for him. So you fans, heaters, you think heaters going to come flying to us? Nope. It's going to take a little bit. It's going to take a little bit of love from us to get heater on this pod. And then it'd be beautiful. 50 and 07 himself and uh that would be such a treat to get him on one of the nicest goal scorers he he uh he actually asked me for a sign stick one time his thing was you know how normally it's the plugs asking all the superstars around the league when they know their time's coming to an end well heater did the he flipped the script he asked all the fourth line plug slash fighters to sign up sticks for him and uh actually when i got when i got asked i thought our trainer was pranking me i thought they were fucking hmm. with me nope but danny heatley asked for one uh looking forward to getting him on because he is uh he's a beaut nice biz we just obviously talked to alex colon and he plays at amelie arena that's not the first time i crashed a cup party was that arena in 2004 so i have very fond memories of that bond 
<laughs> it's all coming together. A lot of feng shui in this episode. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> feng shui. Hold on. I'm going to move my fucking table. Uh, let's see. We got some other, some other news here. The long-running minimum wage class action lawsuit against the Canadian Hockey League was settled, finally. The official documents were filed in court on Friday. It ended a six-year skirmish debating whether uh, the WHL, OHL, and the QMJHL players are, quote, employees or, quote, student athletes. Uh, it sounds awful familiar to fans of the NCAA down here in the States. Uh, but in an open letter, the CHL said the agreed-upon settlement was for a total of $30 million, and several sources say each CHL team will be responsible for paying approximately $250,000 in damages. Total team payouts will come to $15 million with the league and insurance covering the rest. Uh, basically, the plaintiff said uh, junior hockey contracts were an actual employment contract entitling, entitling them to minimum wage and the benefits described. Uh, the CHL's defense was that players were student-athletes and that its education package, development, equipment, and off-ice programs exceeded what would be earned via minimum wage. So it's, a, a, like I said, a pissing, massage, pissing, pissing match similar to what we had down here, and the players won. So... Uh, they haven't divvied up the money yet. They don't know who's going to get what. But we're talking about several hundred million dollars, man. That's a lot of dough to get split up. Several, several hundred million? Uh, hold on. Seeking, I'm thought- sorry. They were seeking $180 million in back wages. So I, I take that back. The, uh, the settlement was for $30 million, not several hundred. I meant to say several ten. All right. That is so much information to give in, that, in like a f- uh, few sentences. So I try to give I you mean, a heads up. <laughs> okay, good thing it wasn't me reading it. People would be tweeting us at us all fucking day. But... Uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to shut it off. I mean, <laughs> it's been like episode over. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. My brain would have exploded, but uh, I'm, I'll be looking for my check. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. You know, it's like a lot of times they have these suits, though. You end up getting like a check on the mail for like 47 cents from like some. I remember someone sued Blockbuster for little excessive late fees back in the day. And everybody got like a voucher for like two free rentals because, you know, there was like a class. You sue based a class action suit. You're suing on behalf of everybody. So people who have nothing to do with it sometimes get what's awards. Your, uh, year, what's your yearly check uh, you get for being the cook in the back of the town? Unfortunately, I, I, I wasn't that high up on the call sheet, so I don't get residuals for that. Ah, that that would be nice, though. Well, in, in other facets, you got residuals. Um, uh, but uh, let's talk about silly lawsuits. Remember, there used to be the top 10 list that would come out every year. And I mean, in the States, it's a lot more ridiculous in Canada. And I believe number one was a guy won $1.7 million because he had a Winnebago. And in the manual, you know when you, you set it up where it's cruise control? It didn't specifically say that you couldn't get up out of your seat. He thought it was going to drive the car or the RV, excuse me. So he got up after he put it in cruise control to go make a pot of coffee in the back of his Winnebago. Well, obviously the thing crashed, but because that it didn't say that specifically in the manual, I think he won a $1.7 million lawsuit. Unless that was like some fake one, but I mean, can you guys think of any other silly lawsuits off the top of your head? Well, it's funny you mentioned the, uh, the hot coffee. I, the McDonald's one is the original one. The person who spilled the hot coffee on themselves and then sued McDonald's because they weren't one that the hot coffee they just bought was going to be hot. <laughs> That's why it says hot coffee all over fucking hot, hot coffee cups now because of that. I, I got a dumb lawsuit. What do you got? Uh, Sophia Franklin versus Barstool oh, Sports. Oh, motherfucker. the fucking clouds. From the clouds. Oh. She sued Barstool? <laughs> Is no, she, I mean that. Sh- people think she's gonna. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That are we talking about that whole situation? Yes, we are. Fuck it, let's do it now. It's out. How stupid! <laughs> How dumb are these two girls? 
Have you ever in your life heard of a deal that Portnoy on his non-private roof deck gave to those girls? Dude, what do you make a year on just the Instagram account once they would have owned it all, Biz? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I want to say I called this one seven months ago, and I think the video's <laughs> still on fucking YouTube. Um, I'll let you finish with but yeah, that was uh, that was no, a very— No, I mean, it's just—I it, it, think everyone at this point knows the whole story. If you don't, check out Daddy Speaks on Call Her Daddy. They tried to go behind the back— of Barstool and completely screw over Dave and Erica who, listen, that podcast took off and shot like a rocket up the charts. It would not have happened without Barstool. The same way I openly always tell everyone that's the exact same thing that happened to us. Okay? So these girls to try to take um, and, 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 and get rid of Barstool after what, what they did for them. And, and mind you, they're, they're, they're crying poor the whole time. They're making half a million. What the fuck? They work one day a week. Dude, it takes them nine hours to record one of those episodes. It's just incredible the way it all ended. And Biz, I didn't know you called it in, in, in your whole discussion when they tried to. Well, I mean, I called it in the rent. fact they, they weren't good human beings. And listen, but I'm not going to hammer on them because they're young. And they made a very, very, very dumb decision. What upset me the most about it all is the fact they were willing to drag Barstool's name through the mud in order to get what they want and got exposed for it. That is that is unexcusable. And the fact that Portnoy and, and a lot of people at Barstool were probably upset at the fact that he gave people who were being that ungrateful, people who were being that shitty to the employees and the people that had, you know, helped get that company to where it is who now eventually gave them their following and i can side with portnoy on this where a lot of people were like oh that's ridiculous that he would have given the ip the reason he, he even said in that podcast we're in unsettling times right now and considering sports aren't on and it's a sports you know network you know they might be leaking oil a little bit so what he was prepared to do was offer that up so they can make the m- good money for the next year and maybe keep some employee employees staffed so if anything he was going to eat that one in the end but he was doing so in order to keep everyone on payroll which he's done since this whole fucking thing happened what's he done all he's continued to do is pump out bangers now i know you guys are probably done with me stroking him off <laughs> going back to the girls it, it, it was it was really fucking shitty. And then now Sophia, what Sophia's saying is, oh, well, she felt slighted because Alex had gone behind her back. And what I think what she's referring to is the fact that Alex had went in and asked Dave for a raise behind her back when, in fact, I mean, we all know based on the, the, the information that's out was Alex was doing more of the work. She yeah, was the one would, editing it. She's the one who brought so more money. Why wouldn't she get more money, poopy pants? Right? So... Listen, I hope it in a perfect world, it gets reconciled. They come back to Barstool. They keep it going. It doesn't look as if this is going to happen. Now, the other funny aspect of it is the girl who went into Barstool to interview Dave. And I believe she worked for HBO. And he explained the whole engraving the Ace of Spades bottle because when his enemies lose, he likes to celebrate that. Yeah, it's a little bit diabolical, as he said. Well, this dude from HBO who was willing to basically drag Dave and, and his company through the mud to get his girlfriend what she, what he, what she wanted, but by no means was entitled to it. 
Fuck him too. That's some rubbish-ass bullshit. Play out your contract. They'd already renegotiated it, I believe, a couple times since they'd even started. They had two years left on it. Play it out. Make your half a million. And then you can walk and go wherever you want. And but by at that the way, point, Biz, you're not the, – the the best part of all of this is that their podcast was uh, female dominance. No guy does anything to us. We stick Phony balonies. They're phony balonies. <laughs> what balonies. took it down? Some clown from HBO that looks like the dude from uh, Shrek. Like the, the, he looks like the uh, – Lord Farquaad. The, Lord Farquaad. Lord Farquaad. So incredibly enough, a guy breaks it all up and you know what? Take a hike. I don't feel bad for those girls. Not one bit. They had the deal of a lifetime given to them, and they turned it down like morons. And I think it shows how reasonable Dave is, and that's exactly how he is. If you want to go talk to him about somebody, you can walk in his office, and he'll be straight up with you. And and as I said, I'm, I talk about it all the time. I'm a second chances guy. I hope they can reconcile. I hope they get back together. Everything gets patched up. And even I would go over and say, hey, you know, we've had our beef in the past. I think what you did to the, try to do to the company is very shitty of you. But hey, I was young and dumb once too. Let's all laugh about it and go have a couple Pink Whitney's. So I wish him nothing but the best. But that was phony baloney bullshit. What was the alcohol they're talking about? No idea. It was wasn't like, Pink Whitney, so we ain't like, talking about uh, it. Daddy's Pink jizz. <laughs> <laughs> that was the creepiest thing you've ever said on this podcast. He hadn't said I, anything in a while. That was sickening. <laughs> uh, I, I had the under, put it that way. I, I, Me and Biz talked about it before. I, I, mean, I, I just, think they took uh, really, 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 really bad advice. They made some really horrible decisions and and for anyone listening it's a prime example if you ever feel like you're being slighted or not getting what you deserve at least have the sack to walk into your boss's office or whoever may be involved and tell them what you think is fair there might be some back and forth you might not even end up there but at least lay the cards on the table be a straight up person look someone in the eye and tell them exactly what you think you deserve the way the way they went about it is just that ain't that ain't being a responsible adult that's being a fucking brat yeah, I think anyone who listened to Dave's take, you know, Dave doesn't lie. Dave calls it like like it is, and you could figure out what went on there. I mean, you know, it's clear, it's clear what what went down, and I, I think there's not too many people on the other side rooting rooting for them, folks. But honestly, Biz, when I thought for the first time during this whole quarantine time that we might be in the Matrix was when the official Looney Tunes account, you know, of Bugs Bunny fame. Don't worry, Bastu, I have this project. I'm trying to get off the ground. Let me know you're interested. If you're interested, hashtag call her granny and it's the granny from the bugs bunny fucking fucking episodes from like 50 years ago like i'm like what fucking planet are we in looney tunes is tweeting at bastel about a call a call her granny podcast it's like and what fucking world are we in right now it's insane. i mean yeah it's been a, it's been a pretty crazy week uh happy memorial day weekend by the way i, I think ra mentioned it earlier uh then what transpired is the fact that, you know, Dave's been hemorrhaging money in the stock market, but he's trying to fuck every suit uh, known to man right now. And sure enough, the day he hits a million dollars in one day, uh, you know, investing was what the next day after that podcast had come out. So it, it was a, uh, it was a good week for Dave. And uh, unfortunately he's lost a big podcast, but he made it back up in, uh, in the stock market. 
Yeah, like he said, he's got more money than he, than he can count. So, a uh, couple other notes before we get it over to our buddy Colin Fraser. Um, our pal Igor Aronko, our uh, Russian reporter friend, Biz, he got a new gig. He tweeted out, now it's official. I am new, I'm in a new role, assistant general manager of KHL's Omsk, uh, Avangard. I think that's how you say it. I'm a little older than John Chaker or Kyle Dubas, but consider me a late bloomer. So, congrats to our buddy Igor, who, uh, who had a memorable appearance or two on the show back in the day. Uh, also, Boston defenseman. Kevin Miller had yet another setback uh, in his, well, basically trying to get back from being out for almost two years now. He had to get more surgery on this uh, knee issue he's had. Broke it twice, the kneecap. He's 32 years old, scheduled to be unrestricted free agent this summer, so even if hockey comes back, I'm not sure uh, we'll see Kevin Miller again, but we just want to send best wishes to him. He's a great kid. Uh, absolute warrior out in the ice for the bees. Uh, I'm, I've been a fan of his from day one, so Kev, uh, feel better up. Uh, out there my man and uh Uh, going back to igor i mean i gotta give that guy a hug i still feel bad about uh, getting a little heated when he called my boy wit a liar but uh i tell you what he deserves the raise i would imagine he got one and uh, the promotion and uh, i wish igor i wish you nothing but the best and hopefully enjoying a nice glass of vodka celebrating your uh, your new job what's that russian phrase before you do a shot nostrovia is that is that what it is yeah, I think that is it. Nostrovia. All right, before we get it over to Colin Fraser, we do want to send congrats off to uh, Alice Hemsky, who uh, officially retired from hockey. He had 15 seasons in the NHL, played 845 games. was an oiler for 10 and a half seasons. He last played in 2018. Uh, of course, he famously scored on the Patrick Steffen miss-empty net goal that went back the other way. He's the guy who scored on that goal. Whit, you were a teammate of his for a few years. What do you have to say? Oh man, one of the most skilled players in the league. All the years he played, and and what a guy too, what a teammate. You talk to anyone who played with him, um, a joy like to go out to dinner with on the road. He loves having a couple beers, and he just he got a he didn't get enough credit for how hard he played. I know he battled some injuries, but man, he would go to the he would go to the hard areas. You'd see a lot of goals. He would burn a guy at the blue line, and then really beat that D wide, cut in front of the net, knowing he was going to get hit. Just a super skilled player and somebody that unfortunately spent most of his career on some on some bad Edmonton teams. But everyone who played with him knew how special of a talent he was, and he is uh, one of my favorites. Hammer. I uh, I had the chance of watching him quite a bit. Of course, uh, you know a divisional rival at that point because he used to speed bag the Oilers. Uh, but unbelievable skilled player. Gordo says so many good things about him off the ice, likes to have a good time, great teammate. So congratulations on an amazing career. 15 years. Where did he go after Edmonton? Did he go to Dallas? I think he went Montreal maybe first. I don't know the exact route, but he used... He might have He might have used a junior stick. The stick was cut so short. You, get a, you, you could tell right away when you see him. It could have been a junior. Yeah, Biz, he did three years in Dallas, and then his last seven games were with Montreal, the 2017-18 season. Uh, I don't know if he got hurt or decided that was it. And, and not to throw any shade on, on Edmonton, Whit, but I would have liked to have seen him during those those you know, his, the peak of his career, what he could have done on a team, maybe with a little bit more, because I think he, he went underutilized. No offense, Oilers fans or Rick from Red Deer. <laughs> yeah. Hey, boys, uh, our friends at DHM Detox have launched an awesome COVID give back initiative. Right now, they're donating 50% of profits from your order to purchase meals for single parent families that have been impacted by the pandemic. There are lots of parents who have lost their jobs and can't afford food for their family, so they're teaming up with the community to help. Here's how it works. For every 10-pack box purchased, they will be donating up to three meals to families in need, depending on the discount you choose. 
You can use codes for Biz, Biz30 for 30% off, Biz20 for 20% off, or no discount code to donate the most amount of meals. All the details are on the website, dhmdetox.com, and everything will be documented on the Instagram at dhmdetox. So far, they've raised funds for over 2,000 meals with the first donations having gone out yesterday in Vancouver. For those of you that don't know, DHM Detox is a vitamin for people who like to drink alcohol. If you hate crippling hangovers or just like to enjoy a few drinks here and there, DHM Detox is your go-to drinking buddy. Their company is built on the words, no days wasted, and the product helps boost your body's natural response to alcohol so you can be yourself the next day. Just take a couple of capsules while drinking and it goes to work. It's time to start taking care of your body when you enjoy alcohol. If you're hitting the virtual happy hour calls or having a few drinks at the end of the day, now is your chance to get the product at a massive discount and also donate meals to families that need our support. It's a win-win. Just go to dhmdetox.com to get up to 30% off your order and help a great cause. Unbelievable read, R.A., by the way. Uh, my buddy Nashal is the one who started that company. Uh, originally used to work for Tesla, started this thing, loved the product. But what he's done since this has all happened is very cool, how he's been able to shift and, and help some people out. So, Nashal, very cool of you, man, and, and best of luck. And like I said, I love the product, guys. And, I mean, you know, what a better combo than that and Pink Whitney. And we were talking about Rick from Red Deer, R.A., and that kind of sparks up the, the next guest here. And... What a special hour we had with this guy, eh? Yeah, had a blast. Colin Fraser, love talking to him. We, we were going into the interview. We weren't sure because he won definitely two cups, but he was on a team that also won a cup. So he, he tells the story. It's actually a great, pretty cool story. So I think we ought to send it over now, Biz. Let's do it. Folks, uh, I feel a bit disrespectful at the fact that we haven't had this guy on already. Uh, right in my wheelhouse around that age group where I didn't even really need to study for this fucking episode. Um, a guy who, you know, he's a, he's a salt and pepper guy. He's a, a sandpaper finish guy. Ended up winning, we're not sure, two or three Stanley Cups, depending on how you're going to answer the question we'll, in the we'll episode. We'll clear that up. We'll clear it okay. up. Fair but enough. he has played for the LA Kings organization, a modern-day dynasty. Also, the Chicago Blackhawks organization, a modern-day dynasty. Welcome to the Spit and Chicklets podcast, Colin Frazier. Gentlemen, thanks for having me. I got to say, first off, uh, what you've done here, unbelievable. I mean, uh, you think about we're just a bunch of dumb hockey players, and uh, I give you guys a lot of credit. For guys that uh, – this takes a lot of work. Uh, not that I'm a radio guy or a podcast guy, but it's a lot of work what you guys do. So uh, I tip my hat to you guys. Good job. It's funny you mentioned that uh, you, just a couple of dumb hockey guys all making something work because my father actually said, he's like, can you stop saying on there that you're dumb because I paid a lot of money to send you to school your whole life? Like, I'm like, oh, sorry. I'm just being honest. That's how the show runs, Dad. Figure it out. That's how we roll, right? Dumb hockey players. But, yeah, I don't know. You guys are smarter than, than you give yourselves credit for. You got, we got booze. We got uh, YouTube channels. We got it all going oh, yeah. on over here. So, so Frazzle, right. we, they, we never got yeah. the answer. Two or three times you've had your name on the cup. Uh, okay, so I'll clear it up. On the cup, twice. Um, so I, I like to tell my son and his buddies that it's two and a half, two and a half, <laughs> because uh, 2010, my name is on the cup. 2012, my name is on the cup. 2014, my name is not on the cup. And as the story goes, you can only have so many, I don't know, spaces, lettering, whatever. I played uh, 33 games. Um, I believe you have to play 41, and you're automatically on, or you have to play a game in the finals, and I did neither. But um, 
Round oh, two. Oh man, right you were. But you, you were never in Let him finish. <laughs> <laughs> so round two, we're playing Anaheim, and we call up uh, Jeff Schultz. Jeff Schultz played for Washington, yep. uh, over 400 NHL games. Really, really good defenseman. Didn't play all year for us regular season, but played like six, eight, ten games in the playoffs. Um, we don't win if we don't have Jeff Schultz fill the void for the injuries we had. And he got his name on the cup, and, and, I, and rightfully so, and I didn't. So I say two and a half because I got a full playoff share. I got a day with the cup. I got uh, everything else that comes along with it. I just didn't get my name on the cup. Well, here around the Spit and Chicklets podcast, we, we usually just hand those out. So we're going to say three-time Stanley Cup champion. <laughs> we, we actually reward guys who don't get to 1,000 games around here. Because we think it's selfish that they get the, the prize for the boys. They get all chip in for the watch. So right, we reward right. the guys who stop short, like Markov at 990. Well, I mean, uh, I was lucky to get 300. I, I said 1,000. I didn't even get 1,000 shifts in the league, let alone <laughs> <laughs> So I'm, I'm happy with where I got three Stanley Cups. I rode a lot of coattails to get there, and uh, I'm happy. Hey. I, I was happy these guys took me there. Let's put it that way. Hey, Fraz, I man. Us three combined, I don't think, have a thousand. And look all the friends we made. And you yep. got three cups for us. So great job. Well, pr- pretending we have friends. Hey, I'm trying to still make new <laughs> ones. I don't know. I don't know. You guys let me on anyway. Well, let's well, let's start all in the beginning. I, I'll hand it over to RA because I don't think he's actually, actually asked anything yet. No, I haven't. But that's quite all right. First off, where are you hold up anyways? I'm holed yep. up in uh, beautiful Sylvan Lake, Alberta. It's just west of Red Deer, uh, 20 minutes. I played my junior hockey in Red Deer, met my wife, never left. Um, I'm originally from Surrey, B.C. It's right smack in the middle of Edmonton and Calgary. So you got half Edmonton fans, half Calgary fans. And uh, if you've been to Canada, they yeah, we know Rick. Yeah, over it, so. Say, have you ever, ever met Rick, from, the infamous Rick from Red Deer? <laughs> He's a season ticket holder at the Red Deer Rebels, too. <laughs> I haven't met Rick. I'm sure I have met Rick, actually. Yeah, he drives some of the boosters to school and stuff. It's crazy. Rick is a a guy that Witt describes as the guy in between, like you said, Edmonton and Calgary, who is either rooting for both teams, and every morning on the radio when they're talking about either team, he's punching the steering wheel because he's that big of a hockey psychopath. Yeah, yeah, that's what we say up here, right? 18,000 general managers sitting in the fans (laughs) every single game. Hey, Witt, when, when we played in Edmonton, and it was uh, trade Sheldon Surrey. Well, you know, you don't think they tried to do that? You don't think they tried? They don't want to pay him five million in Hershey's. Hey, he's a fan of the show. No, the best thing ever is it's 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 listening to real life callers, and they, you know, you got they gotta go get Sis again and and get Hall with Sagan. And well, what do you want to trade to the Bruins for Sagan? I don't know, Fraser and Whitney. <laughs> it's like those deals don't work, guys. I know who you want. You can't get them in certain ways. But are you still playing? Are you are you done skating or what? Mentally? Oh, I'm done, man. I uh, finished uh, in Nuremberg, Germany in 2015. Long story short, I was only 31, but I, I lost my passion, man. I played in the NHL. Then I played plugged away in the American League for a year. And then I plugged away in Germany for three months, and I didn't see Christmas and – I hung them up and, and that was it. It's not that I physically couldn't do it. I just kind of just don't want to play anymore. I, I, you guys know yeah. what kind of player I am. Full on straight grinder. And I thought I'd go to Germany and be some power play specialist. And I was still a straight grinder. <laughs> enough was enough of this. I tell you. Germany, great country. It had nothing to do with the league. Uh, Prusty played in, I heard, I was listening to your guys episode the other day with Prusty and, 
same place, like beautiful city, guys, like beautiful city, love Germany, just didn't want to play hockey anymore. That's okay. So I got to ask you, he was very hard on the refereeing. What's your call? It is. I started laughing when you when he's talking about it because it is the it is atrocious. It's literally atrocious. It's we, we, our coach is a North American coach, uh, Rob Wilson. Coaches in Peterborough now. Great coach, awesome coach, and and he played hard. He wanted us to play hard, but only for the first forty minutes. In the third period, it became this: nobody hit anybody. You're not allowed to hit anybody anymore because we didn't want to take any penalties. They call anything then. Oh, it's crazy. Oh, my goodness. You, clean hits, it was it was crazy. You just uh, – it's true. 100% true what he said. You blow guys up, and they don't care. They don't care. They'll just – they'll call two penalties, five on three. Two <laughs> Doesn't matter. <laughs> Fraser, I want to go back to Red Deer for a second. Yeah. You had some characters on that squad. Dion Phaneuf, Cam Ward, future uh, – Conn Smythe winner. But we got to ask about Colby Armstrong. Was he was he as much of a, a, a character back then when you played with him as he turned out to be when Biz and Whit played with him? He was the best, absolute character. He's he's exactly he's exactly what he is on TV. Is who he is. I mean, he's he's funny. He's jokester. He's he's uh, not a serious himself. bone in his body. You rips played him with no, and yeah, I played with him, and he rips on himself like nobody you've ever seen. Well, that nose he's got there, hey? How can you not rip on yourself? <laughs> his you know, beak. You got to so, get ahead of it. Yeah, but he played hard. You know, like he's oh, yeah, uh, he's a legendary Red Deer Rebel for sure. Legendary. Well, I'm glad R.A. brought it up. I guess we'll get into it right now. Like that, would you describe Red Deer, or at least at that time, the London Knights of the West? Well, yeah, I mean, they had, they won the Mem Cup 2000. I wasn't there. I came the year after, and we, we lost in the finals to Kootenai, who ended up winning. They had Jarrett Stoll, uh, America. Nigel Dawes must have been a rookie there, right? Nigel Dawes, yeah, yeah. Oh. He would have won as a 16-year-old, yeah. Uh, they had a really good team. And then my second year, we lost to uh, Kelowna in the finals. And they had Josh oh. Georges, Shea Weber, Duncan Keith. Um, I've heard of them. Yeah, the list goes on. Like, <laughs> And they picked up Duncan Keith. Uh, he was at University of Michigan, yeah. and they picked him up in, like, January. Oh, and we were no, like, Michigan State. Oh, fuck. And then he just you fuckers. Yeah. Here we go. Perfect. <laughs> neck and neck with these guys, and they pick up Duncan Keith. So uh, we lost to them in the finals, and then – and my third year, we lost in the in the semifinals. We had good teams. It was a good run for four or five years there in Red Deer. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I looked at your your first year there. I think seven guys from that team went on to play at least 100 games in the NHL. Let's just, like, dive into it. What made it such a, a winning environment? Uh, you know, what was it ran like? And just, I guess, dive into that. Well, we had uh, Brent Sutter was our coach, who uh, old school. We all know the Sutter brothers. We all know how they run. And uh, I personally, I like Brent. I don't think I play in the NHL without Brent. He runs a tight ship. He um, all business, but guys buy in. Um, but we had a lot of guys just played hard. And Dion Phaneuf, would, as a 16-year-old, was just smoking guys, like putting them in the hospital, just drilling them. And we had guys – we'd play like no mercy, like wit, not, not your type of game, wit, bloodbath. <laughs> Saturday night. I was, I'm like cringing as you're describing this hockey. Like, what are you talking about right we, now? We, would, we were like the number, I don't know, two, three, one ranked team all year. And, um, we lost two games back to back Friday, Saturday, both in overtime, both at home. And we were supposed to have a rookie party Saturday night. And Brent was just fuming. 
So we had the rookie party anyway, and we had to come to the rink Sunday morning for the 7 a.m. bagger. Just hung over. Guys were oh showing my up to the rink. We're the number one ranked team in the country. <laughs> no mercy, like you said. Dion Phaneuf, that underage year, he I think he had close to 20 goals, and he was fighting everyone. And, I mean, he became probably the number one defensive prospect for the draft for the next year. Oh, he was uh, so good. Um he like when I say he'd kill people, like he'd cat like Scott Stevens guys, like across the middle of the ice. And he was a he was a sixteen year old player, but he was you know him, Biz. Like he the doesn't man. he gives zero fucks, man, oh, who yeah. anybody is. And uh is that confidence and that arrogance is what made him such a good player as a sixteen year old. He's running around like a twenty year old, just chirping everybody. I thought really at the care. beginning, at least at the beginning, like when I first saw him play in the NHL, his rookie year was incredible. He his he had the quickest feet. Like he would do these quick quick crossovers and just yeah. light people up trying to cut to the middle. You're like, this guy, it's like he's thirty years old and he was eighteen and nineteen. He was, he was 210 pounds as a as a sixteen year old. So uh did does not lack confidence and didn't lack confidence as a sixteen. Even even then in junior he's like that. Oh, he's the throw- same guy. It has nothing to do with making a hundred million dollars. He's like, <laughs> he was the same guy from fifteen years old, right? Gotta on respect through. that. Hey, I played under eighteen with him, and we went over to Europe. And I don't think players there had ever seen someone hit that hard. And Ra, I'm going to throw over to you real quick after this. When he hit him, there was this like thud where you could feel the person's soul leave their body. Like you could just, it's like a little ghost would go up to the, and, and, and some guys, they were like never the same, you know, they just got hit that hard and they got scared. So sorry. I rambled on there. All right. That's all right. I wanted to ask, uh, was college ever on the table for you? Did you have any offers or were you just going juniors the whole way? You know what? My, my dad always wanted me to go to college. Uh, he kind of made a deal with me. If I wasn't uh, a first round Bantam pick, he would have liked me to go to college. But if, if it was, and I was, I ended up going first round to Red Deer. So it was kind of like Not a big deal. college was done, but <laughs> what's that? Not a big deal. No. <laughs> yeah, right, 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 right. Well, there's a lot of guys drafted behind me that are still playing. So there you go. I was, <laughs> I was the early uh, giant that was good at hockey because he was already six feet tall as a 12 year old. <laughs> Everyone started catching up. You're like, shit. Literally, literally. But uh, ah, I, I never really considered it. No, I was, I was uh, from BC. I was like a Kamloops Blazers fan just from from uh, like the glory days in Kamloops. And I was like, I was hell-bent on the Western League all day long. Uh, no way fans of butts about it. You were drafted by Philly, what was it, uh, 2003. Is there a party that was bummed out you never actually got to play for the Flyers, given the history of the franchise and shit? Yeah, it's kind of weird because um, I only went to one camp there. I, I didn't really feel any ties there i didn't have any i didn't set any roots down i didn't really know anybody um on draft day they picked uh mike richards uh whatever it was 10th or 11th or 12th and then they picked jeff carter uh 18th or 19th and then they didn't have a second rounder and they picked me 69th and i said fuck me centerman Centerman, centerman. <laughs> I, no am the thir- I am hopefully the third line center someday. <laughs> There's no chance I'm playing on this team anytime soon because these guys are unbelievable. I played, I ended up playing like world juniors, whatever. I knew how good they were, but um, I mean, and their careers speak for themselves. But I, I was ah, disappointed is the wrong word, but I, I was, knew I was going to have an uphill battle making that team. So um, I got traded a year later. I was riding the bus from 
Red Deer to Saskatoon, and uh, Brent Sutter's the only guy with a cell phone. It was like the big, like Zach Morris, like <laughs> flip phone. And it was Paul Holmgren called us, uh, called me on the bus on the way to Saskatoon, and I traded uh, to Chicago. So it was kind of like it wasn't a big deal. It was just uh, that's it, moving on. Next, yeah. Week. If you were if you're in the minors or something, it's so much different. When you're playing junior, you're like okay, so tell me where, where to go when it's time. As long as my signing bonus is the same. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't signed yet. I haven't signed Wait, yet. so you, I know you were on that World Junior team in North Dakota. I the was greatest yeah, of all time. I, I was yeah yeah. No shit. Yeah, that was, team. We've talked to so many guys that have just said they've never seen anything like that. Well, if we go back summer camp, they do. Biz, did you go to the summer camp? I don't know. The no chance. <laughs> for, no, for the world junior camp. Yeah. Yes, I did. I went to that summer camp. Me and Mike Egner almost fought, and then I mean, I, I don't think I should have been invited back for the Christmas one, but I think that pretty much did me in because they said no fighting, and we almost square square off. He was a tough fucker from the West, wasn't he? He was a tough fucker, real. I tough think he would have caved my face in, to be yeah, honest. And I'm Calgary, happy it didn't and he happen. had the squirrely eyes where he like looked like he wanted to kill someone too. Yeah, when the wires cross, like one of those where it's like, oh, like it's like you're fighting a guy who's on coke at the bar, where you're like, oh my god, I could punch <laughs> this guy square in the face, and nothing's gonna happen. He's a machine. He's the Terminator at this point. He was he was the Terminator. He was. Yeah. He, was uh, he played in Calgary right down the road. But uh, World Juniors, I don't know if you remember this one, Biz, but me me and Dion fought at World Juniors too. And we were both teammates, Red Deer. Dion kept going after Sid. And Sid was on on uh, on my scrimmage team. So I went after Dion. And I was on the bench. And Dion, like, pulled me, like, down the bench and out the gate. Literally, I'd be suspended 10, 10 games today. This is at summer camp. And me and him fought. This is the last scrimmage of the day. And uh, Brent Sutter was the coach, so he's our Rebels coach. And he calls us up to the office after the game, and he's pretending to be mad. You dumb bastards. How does this look? This is Red Deer Rebels. And me and, me and Dion start laughing. And then Brent starts laughing. He's like, you dumb Brent. You know you can't fight at World Juniors, you fucking idiot. It's like, cut the shit, you guys. Yeah. So that's, uh, I don't know. We stupid. It goes through all the games changed. Like, just stupid shit. I don't know. Like, it just kind of happened. It wasn't planned. It was just one of those dumb things that all kind of came together. Dion's like, why are you sticking up for your, like, fake teammate in this scrimmage? <laughs> Trying to be a hero. Because it's Sid, in case, I get, in case I get traded to Pittsburgh, he takes care of me like he did to the Wit Dog. That's the mentality <laughs> Dion had, though. He wanted to go at the best, and, and I respect him for it. He made a lot of money because of it. Heck yeah, he did. You know what he told me the other day? He still thinks he can play. And he says this is the perfect opportunity because everybody's probably been boozing and hanging out. So he's a little bit more old school. So he probably could just lace him up and, and bounce right in, especially, especially as he would say for playoff hockey. He could throw those hits and maybe not get suspended 20 games. Oh, this guy's a legend. You, have you guys said, God, you got him on the show here, no? He says to, when he retires. So I've been trying to rush him to retire. And he's, <laughs> I think he's still hanging on. That's why he might come back for, uh, for playoffs. I mean, there's 20, 24 teams that could swoop him up. Might have to be a double episode in honor of the double D on legit. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. Well, Biz, remember at U18s when uh, Dion. Biz was the only guy still sporting wood sticks at the time. It was kind of in that wood stick changing over to synergy and everyone had yeah. synergies except biz yeah so <laughs> i could get biz sold his he sold i have his. commitment issues in other every every other area of my life except for my wood fucking twigs and no he, cost so, <laughs> he sold his synergies and bought some fubu clothing <laughs> and then he got some cheap wooden sherwoods for free 
<laughs> so so Dion takes all his sticks. And this is at U18s. There's 300 people in the stands and 250 of them are scouts. And Dion cuts all his sticks. <laughs> so, so we By the time we were in Europe ready to play games, I had like three wood sticks left. And he, he cut them all. So, so Fizz goes out for practice and every stick breaks because they've all been cut. Fizz, how have you ever told us no, this story? I told it about when we got over there in the first practice, we were wheeling around and it happened. But, the, but the, here's the funniest part about it was I think when it all ended, I had two sticks left. Okay. And he, he, he'd given one away to someone. I'm like, now I only got one left. And then as the bus was pulling away from the, the rink in Piaschani, Slovakia, he's like, hey, Biz, is that your stick? And he'd given it away to another kid out, out there, and he was waving goodbye. So I went back with no fucking sticks because of Double Dion. And I showed up with 12 fucking wood sticks for a, a two-week tournament. That son of a bitch. And for a big tournament, like we want to, we want to make the NHL here. Not nah, Biz doesn't have any sticks. <laughs> Dude, I was the cl- I was getting clowned, and it, like you said, I appreciate you having my back on this one. I should be more upset at Dion. I should go after him for some of my signing bonus because maybe I lost a little bit there. Yeah, with- <laughs> he's got enough, doesn't he? Oh, he is. Funny. I know. I know some people just because of his time in Toronto, but I felt that his time in Toronto, you should respect him even more because he was taking it on the chin there for the whole team at the time. And and I love him. I think he's a guy who will, will a lot of people will change their opinions on him once we get him on our podcast. He's great. He's great. Uh, I spent four years with him in Red Deer. We laughed a lot. Um, he, <laughs> he's married to. Uh, uh, Alicia Cuthbert, and he used to watch the movie. What's the movie she was in? Uh, uh, the She's neighbor out of my league. No, no, uh, no. I know which one you're talking about. Girl next door. Girl next door. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. This guy was in love with her before he even met her, and then he meets her and he marries her. So, well, there you go. It was like meant to be. Iconic. Iconic. <laughs> Figured movie. it out. Hey, well, so when you got traded and then turned pro, what a guy to go with in Vandermeer, huh? And he was <laughs> wasn't he on the Red Deer Rebels? Uh, you, I didn't play with him. He's a little bit older than me, but yeah, okay, he played okay. right here. They got all the brother. I played with the younger brother, Ted. Uh, there's five. There's five of them. They're, Colin, can I hop in? We got Pete. In. We got Pete on recently. Oh, he has some good stories. Oh yes, he did. He, I bet you he didn't tell you the story when I went, when I fought him and beat the piss out of him in uh, San Antonio. I'm just joking. I didn't beat him up. But <laughs> I was like, did he you lives really? around me, so every time I see him, I say, hey, Pete, remember that time when I beat the shit out of you in San Antonio? Well, Fraze, you're oh, going yeah. after him, so you have last say. You could say whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's gonna, he'll be knocking on my door here any minute just to redo it. <laughs> he was buying Pete. He's tough as hell, and I just wanted to uh, pretend I was a hero and get my was name it a, You square off with him? No, fuck no. God, no, no, God, no. <laughs> no I was no, going to no, say, no, you're no. crazy. No, no, no. I didn't do that. I just kind of went after him at the benches. He kind of slapped me around and threw me in the bench. And then he came in the locker room after he said, what the fuck are you doing? I'm not trying to be a hero. <laughs> trying to get out of the minors. <laughs> exactly. Making it look good. Phrase, before you did get called up to Chicago, the couple guys you played with, a couple characters, uh, James Wisniewski and Dustin Bufflin. I want to ask about Buff. Um, Obviously, him and Winnipeg just parted ways. Were you surprised by any of what went down, knowing Buff and how he kind of marches to the beat of his own drummer? He, he definitely marches to the beat. Buff's like the happy-go-lucky, nicest human being you'll ever meet in your entire life. Like, he is the best prankster, jokester, no bad days. One of the best guys you'll ever Never meet. Never in a bad mood? 
never in a bad mood. Like the guy makes 7 million bucks. He's just hopping around. Even in the minors when he's making 50 grand, he's hopping around. <laughs> like it doesn't matter. He's just happy guy. He's happy to be there. He just wants to hang out with the guys. He wants to drink beers. He's like old school throwback guy. Uh, pulls up with a groin pole every summer camp in Chicago. Somehow randomly would get injured every camp. So he wouldn't have to do the workouts. But uh, one of those guys who can kind of get away with anything he wanted because he's so good. Um, as far as the situation in Winnipeg, I don't, I don't really know what happened. But, I mean, clearly he, he, he just doesn't want to play anymore. I think he just uh, – he's the kind of guy he leaves, he made enough money. What more does he need? Ross, I think I think that that's another guy who could probably lace him up right after this break right now and just step yep. right in. I can't imagine his off-season training was ever that uh, elusive. So he's, <laughs> he's licking he his chops right now for a comeback. He's like, now we're at an even playing field, bitches. Let's yeah. go. Yeah, yeah. He's just an athletic guy. I mean, he's just an athlete. He's an athlete. Bottom line. So it doesn't surprise you at all that he just essentially walked away from fourteen million. Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, well, it surprises me. I didn't, I mean, it's not something that I, I think he would, I knew he'd do, but at yeah. the same time, he, he was just didn't want to play. So he's not the type of guy that's going to gut it out. He doesn't need the 14 million. So he can fire some my way if he'd like to, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ball, sh- shoot it over to Sylvan Lake. Right. <laughs> but, hey, I, I'm wondering, it was three full years in the minors and then. Like your time came that going into that, that training camp, your fourth year pro, did you, was that like they, I'm making this team, no doubt. Or were you still like, I don't know, man, this tough roster crack. Uh, A little bit of both. And I say both because now when you go into camps now, salary cap, yada, yada, they have their 13 forward 70. Like it's hard to crack that team. Like generally speaking, they have the roster set. Uh, We had three open spots. It was just, the the Hawks, if you remember, were brutal, and they were brutal. just starting around the curve. It was, I don't know, 2007, Taves and Kane are there. Um, Patrick Sharp's there. They got Duncan Keith. They got Brent Seabrook, all like as rookies or maybe their second or third year, and they're just starting around the curve. So I, I was I was hell-bent on making the team because I knew the spots were open. I was not penciled in. There's no way. I was just uh, – meat potatoes guy man and i i just went into camp with kind of this i don't give a fuck attitude and i'm gonna leave it all out on the ice and uh i fought every single scrimmage i fought every game and if you guys have ever youtube me i've never won a fight i've ever <laughs> been <laughs> I, join I the club been. join the club baby but the check's still cash don't that <laughs> you hit it on the head i always had this theory like when they're on the airplane when i say they coaches management whoever they read my name. Even though I got my ass kicked, they read my name. Like, this was my theory. Like, oh, the fans are going through the score sheet. Better than having the zero, 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 zero shots on net, zero face-offs, zero hits, zero block shots. At least there's a, a five mixed in there. So it kind of grabs your attention. Yeah, you, you say a guy who played, I don't know, 10 minutes didn't do anything. You say, oh, you remember him? And everyone says, No. And they say, oh, well, he was the guy who got in that fight. And they're like, oh, yeah, they, yeah, I remember that. That was crazy. He got the shit kicked out of him, but that was awesome. Right. That was my theory. I mean, <laughs> and so, I don't know. I fought Ian LaPerriere, probably the toughest guy I ever fought. Oh, I mean, wow. I wouldn't fight Biz, but I, I fought middleweight guys. I don't know. I I was uh, first game in Madison Square Garden. I fought Ryan Callahan, who's not a fighter, but, I mean, 
I, it was MSG. I thought I was living the, the good life here as a 23-year-old in Madison Square Garden, you know? Yeah, that's sick. That's why I feel like people coming out of Red Deer around that time and probably still do is, is even though you were probably at the time you left the first line center, you were playing the full 200-foot game. So for you to go adapt to, to playing that role wasn't necessarily the biggest shift. You just kind of had to add more of the fight in your bag, maybe a few more block shots in there and, and carve out the more meat and potato side. Well, that's, and we, and we touched on the world juniors, but that's the only reason I made the team was filling a role. So in my head, I knew I wasn't a top six player, but I had these bottom six intangibles that could make me a player um, fighting being one of them. And it wasn't about winning the fight or being tough. It was more about just, I guess, adding it to my game. So um, it's not something I scared to do. It's not something that, um, I don't know. It wasn't that big of a problem for me to do it. I, I pick my spots and I try to choose wisely, but uh, guys, I meat and potatoes, man. Anything I do is full throttle. So if we're having beers, we're having a hundred and if we're golfing, I'm all in. And if we're playing hockey, I'm, I got one gear. That's fucking hard. That's it. That's all there is to it. So that's all I know. Tombstone. That's it. You had uh, Joe Quenville when you were uh, in Chicago with the Blackhawks. What, what kind of effect did he have not only on your career, but uh, also on you as a person? I've heard a lot, you know, he has a very, clo- very close with a lot of his players. Yeah, Q is the, uh, he's probably the best coach really ever. And I, I say that because he, um, you felt as a fourth line guy, when you feel like you're just kind of taking up a roster spot sometimes and just eating minutes to give the top guys a rest. Uh, <laughs> Q always, he just, I don't know, he had a good way of managing his bench and making everybody's role feel important. Uh, the best thing he did is his bench management is outstanding, and it wasn't like uh, so much as line matching. It was like as a fourth-line guy, if you're having a night, he lets you run, and you play 15 minutes, and it'll be two minutes left in the game, and it'll be a 2-1 game, and he'll put you out there. And if you're not having a game – then you only play six minutes and that's it. And he doesn't say anything to you. He doesn't need to say anything to you. You just know where you stand. So um, I respect him for that reason uh, as a fourth line guy, just giving me the opportunity to play. And when you're playing well, you get rewarded. I love this stuff. Cause I knew you'd be able to like, give us a deeper dive and all these, these personalities. I mean, let's talk about the big boys. Like you're seeing Taze and Kane just bring it to a different level. I mean, the the one thing that these top players, Taves, Kane, the LA guys that played with, you know, Dewey and Kopitar and these guys, they're like, their competitiveness like is through the roof. You guys have played with these Shane Doan or um, Crosby, whoever. Like, they want to be the best every single day. Like, yeah. watch Patrick Kane now. He's thirty. Was he thirty three or thirty two years old? And he's still like every game. Like, give me the puck. Give me the puck. Give me the puck. I'm the best. I'm the best. I'm the best. And it's like he never loses fire. It's like there's something in them that is like you can't teach that stuff. They just have it. And uh, I consider myself lucky to have the front row seat to watch these guys. I mean, some of the goals they scored. Quenville would be on the bench and Taser would undress three guys, and he'd be like NHL baby, NHL. <laughs> I, I, I swear that. to God, man. That's awesome. Like, like he loved it. He loved it as much as loved anyone it. else. Loved it. He'd be like, oh, baby. In the middle of the – we were winning every game, though, so it's like, pretty uh. easy to be like that. Nobody loves winning more than I do. And he'd be down the hallway <laughs> after we win. He'd be like, fist bumping all the boys. Hey, baby. Everybody loves yeah, winning. That sounds so fun. Meanwhile, you get, get oh back to home. Found, 
found out he hit a big horse race he was listening to on the side the whole time. <laughs> we were uh, we were playing Vancouver in uh, round round two. It must have been twenty ten, and uh, Kentucky Derby's going on right April, right? Maybe May. I don't May. even know. Yeah. first Saturday of May. Yeah, so uh, we, uh, he's into horses. I don't know what I don't. I'm not into horses, so I can't explain it. But you can hear him in the back room because he hit whatever he bet. Oh, run, you bastard, run. And then he comes in for the pregame warm-up or the pregame speech. <laughs> like nothing happened. All right, watch Piaxo, watch Burles. Make sure we have a good game here. He's the best, man. We love them. Love uh, them. Shit. I want to go to game six of the cup that year. Did you know Kane scored right away or, or were you mystified like everybody else? Mystified because I was uh, I was the um, the pigeon or so to speak that wasn't in the game and I was, I was putting my gear on in the dressing room. We uh, <laughs> I was a fourteenth forward. I knew my role well, boys. Hey, I knew my role well. Wait, so um, what do you guys make sure you're not seen though? You're like, oh, yeah, I'm yeah, get dressed, but yeah, it was it was crazy because so uh, we're up. I don't remember the score. Whatever it was. 3-2. We're up a goal anyway. And it's third period, and there's me and uh, Burrish, Brian Bickle, a few of the Black Aces, and we're like, hey, let's go put our gear on. So we go in the room. We start getting our gear on. We're half-dressed, and Philly scores late to tie it, like six minutes left in the game to tie it. And we're like, motherfucker. All the guys, we're going to jinx it. All the guys are going to see us in our gear. Well, the game goes to overtime. And we duck into like the little massage room in Philly. It's like a little closet across from the training room. And uh, we had it set up as the massage room. And we're like hiding in there. And then we're like, fuck, what if they score in overtime? And we got to take all our gear off and just feel like this complete loser. And like we jinxed it for all the guys. Um, so we're watching on like a little tiny TV screen in the, in the dressing room. And Kaner scores or. We didn't know if it went in. We ran out to the bench and we stop at the bench. And same thing. We're like, do we go on the ice? Do we not go on the ice? Because if it's not a goal, I don't want to be picking all my shit up and <laughs> to escape back into the dressing room. They get a penalty because you're out there and you're not on the <laughs> roster. Exactly. So so we went, we were like, fuck it. And we just went out there and celebrated with the guys. And like, thank God it was in because I would have felt like a real big donkey if I had to skate back off the ice and down the hallway and back into the room. What do you remember about Chicago after that title? Because just the crowd and that was when people really started learning about how crazy the anthem was because they hadn't been good for such a long time you know and like it was just fun to watch the Blackhawks they had these young studs young team and then I remember your celebrations being crazy and maybe that's because like right when social media was getting big Twitter and stuff but that must have been the craziest couple weeks of your life it, it was uh, it was crazy. Crazier for the single guys. My wife was pregnant with our first, so it wasn't that crazy for me. But they're like loser. <laughs> <laughs> but you could literally do whatever you wanted, and it would. It was like we didn't know how it was going to go either. So it was like day one. It's uh, let's go rocket bar and grill, and and the cup shows up, and it's instantly a sea of people like the play it's like i don't know one o'clock in the afternoon on a tuesday i don't know what day it was and it was slammed like it was saturday night three in the morning it's crazy and they had like we had like a limo bus and the police would like police escort us and then they'd rope off like caution tape so we could get in and out of the bar so we just went like 
bar to bar to bar. Well, pretty soon this limo bus had 500,000 fucking people in this thing. People, Taser sitting on the roof and people are like, that's Jonathan Taves. And he's on the roof of the limo bus going from bar to bar. It was just like, we didn't pay for anything for the whole time. There's nothing. It was like, everything is free. Um, we'd have jokes. We'd go to the rink in the morning, like free Starbucks today, free, uh, whatever, AW, whatever you're fucking eating for breakfast. Like everything was free. You never paid for anything. It was just like, Oh no, you're a hawk. Oh, you're a hawk. It was anything you wanted to do. I had this officer, officer, Tom Baker on uh speed dot, not speed dot, but you text him at three in the morning. Where are you? Oh, we're at underground. Okay. I'll be right there. And he'll come into the bar and he'll find you and he'll take you home and you're, flipping the lights on and <laughs> you're chirping people through the, the microphone. You, it was no holds barred, man. Anything you help wanted. you bury a few bodies, you know, the <laughs> usual <laughs> another Saturday night in Chicago. After a couple of, <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Going back to Kane for a second. Is he the most skilled teammate you've ever had at any level? Uh, y- yeah, for sure. Um, for sure. And I, I, I touched on it earlier, like competitiveness, like not, you don't have to be a super competitive guy. You don't have to run people through the building and you don't have to fight and you don't have to body check, but he just is competitive in the sense he wants the puck and he wants to be the guy and he's a big game player and he plays his best games in big games, OT winners, hat tricks, clinching games, um, <clears throat> skilled, smart, name it, competitive. I mean, he's a special player, one of the best really. I mean, boys, have we pretty much covered everything there is to cover about Chicago? Because we still have a, a lot to touch on with L.A. Is there anything that you want to talk about Chicago specifically? Uh, well, I don't know. I, I, best city in uh, – if, if you guys oh, – yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm on that city. train. Yeah. If there's um, – if you're a free agent and you, <laughs> you want to sign in a city, I mean, the organization is – they treat you so good. They give you any resource – possible uh to give yourself a chance to be a player i mean their american league team gets treated like the nhl so it's uh it's the best organization in sports the model organization and uh i feel lucky to have to been a part of it really some people forget you spent a year in Edmonton. Now we've talked to some guys from that I forget area. <laughs> well, I was going to say some guys essentially going back home. It's, it's not usually a good story. There's more pressure added to it. More people ringing up their phone for tickets all the time. And you know, they can't wait to get the fuck out. Yeah. It was, yeah. I mean, I, it's just like, I was excited at first to be honest with you. I was like, okay, Stanley cup didn't play a lot. Didn't play in the playoffs. I'm going to Edmonton worst team in the league. I'm going to play more. No, opposite. Played less. Like, could barely get on the ice, man. It was unbelievable. Right from the start, I was like, it was just such a you long You were on the season. fourth and a half line from the first day of camp. Literally. Literally. And I, whatever. I know my ability and I know the type of player I am, but I'm like just begging for a chance, really. Just give me an opportunity, you know? It's like um, me, Froz. You show up and you'd have a different color jersey than absolutely everyone, and that's not a good sign. Yep. Nope. Or, or I don't know if this happened to you, Biz, but I always knew if I wasn't playing because the assistant coaches wouldn't say good morning to me. So I'd always be like, "Oh, I'm out tonight." What do you mean? I didn't get a good morning today. <laughs> he feels bad. He feels bad, or he just doesn't even want to look and deal with me. You know, when they would come up. say hi to you though and good morning was right before your bag skate. Once everyone left yeah. the ice. Yeah. The, the hey, where are you skate. going, Fraz? Uh, yeah. <laughs> the Come after practice, practice. 
<laughs> oh boy, here we go again. <laughs> the yeah, only time those are good is black aces in the in the in the on the cup runs. That's the only time it's fun. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. The uh, but what you we're the I mean we're thirtieth. 30th place by a landslide. Man. Yeah, that was tough sledding, man. Oh, my God. Any good player we had was hurt. We were dressing an American League team. Dude, by the end, there were some games. And remember, that was the, wasn't that the season Halsey got his face stepped on, too, by Potsy? And it was just – it was a disaster. It was a disaster. You guys did have Linus Omar, though. That was the highlight of the season. Doing spinner. And spinoramas. Remember when T uh, T T Rennie Tom came in and did the spinorama after he did that? I was and it was on oil change. Go check out oil change. Anyone is that what it's called? That'll sum it up for you. Oh, oil change yeah. is some of the most incredible viewing. I mean, it's a you're following around a dead last place team in the league, and it was Hall Eberly and then Magnus Pyarvi who. You know, was kind of with them as the three studs, and then right away you could tell he wasn't the you know wasn't the same player. It was just it was ugly. It was ugly. I was lighting it up, mind you. I was having the season <laughs> of my life. Sorry he went, was that. on fire early, heavy on fire, heavy on fire, and then boom, ankle went out, never the same. You know how it is. Passion goes away after the body for me, Fraz. There has to be some positives though. That was a young, fun team. I'm sure you guys had some good times, at least off the ice. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, those guys would have stories all the time. 18 years old in Edmonton, Hall and Ebbs. I mean, they were <laughs> legendary. I they had more fun I'm, than me. I thought it was such a great group of guys, though. Like, I, I don't know. I had a blast. I love Hemsky. He's so quiet, but funny, dude. Great to have beers with. I, I mean, Pen, Penner cracked me up. It was just you were with Pens later on. It was it was a fun team that you just wish you could have been good, on, good with. What about because- – uh, Laddie Smee. Have you had Laddie Smead on the show yet? No, he said he'd come on too. How great you're, would he be? You're such pussy. You're <laughs> such pussy. You you are oldest young guy I know. Oldest young guy I know. That's what he you fucking kid. You, you won't have beers with us? You fucking pussy, friends. <laughs> you're such pussy. I just my wife gave birth to our first son. I just I had this newborn baby. He's like, why you why you not come for beers? You're you're such pussy. <laughs> this is an unbelievable. You're like I'm responsible just, for another human being now. It's it's the phenomenal phenomenal. I don't, I don't know. You do his voice perfectly. Uh, that's hilarious. Sat beside him all year. Fucking bullshit. You such pussy. <laughs> Phrase, I wanted to ask, you played for uh, for Brent early in your career, well, up in Red Deer. Then you played for Daryl Sutter in L.A. Did playing for Brent prepare you for Daryl in any way, or are they completely different? No, they're very similar, very, very similar, very uh, workmanlike. Uh, you, the best thing about them is it's black or it's white. Here's where you stand. Whether you like it or not, this is our forecheck. This is our neutral zone. You're playing, you're not playing, whatever it is. There's none of this, uh, well, in this situation, you're going to do this. But in this situation, you got to do that. It's like, this is what we're doing. And um, the best thing about Daryl is he treated everyone equally. So it didn't matter if he made 12 million bucks or 1,200 bucks. It's everyone's treated the same. And if you're not playing, he'll ride you and he'll let you know that you're not playing. So, um uh, I guess, I mean, I don't know if guys like that, but I give him credit because it didn't matter to him who you were. Well, since we're on the subject, didn't he have a, an area of the bench he called Millionaire's Row or something? The best. <laughs> hey, Kopi, why don't you come take a seat down Millionaire's Row? It's like Mike Richards, Jeff Carter, Dustin Brown. <laughs> <laughs> Drew Downey. Hey, Dewey, 
you want me to get Jerome's autograph? I can get it after the game for you. Like, <laughs> shit like that. <laughs> Just, I don't know. They would all laugh, too. We'd be all sitting there laughing, and then I'd laugh because I'd actually get to play a little bit more. So he'd, he'd double shift. He'd Everyone's having power. a good time. Oh, unbelievable. He probably would be like me, Jordan Nolan, and Kyle Clifford. Go, go. Uh, it's, a, it's a power play. Go, go. Okay, I'm going on the power play here. What do you think the most minutes you played in an NHL game was? Oh, if I'd maybe 15, if I had to guess, I don't even know. I would have had a heart attack. It wasn't very often. I would have had a heart attack. Yeah. I played 11 in Edmonton one night to assist second star. How are you? Um, I, I couldn't even get out of bed the next morning. I don't know how guys were doing it at 20 minutes a night. I don't I understand it. Because they weren't lighting it at both ends like yeah. you or, after every game. Or, or Yeah, yeah, that's true. Or, or to bring it even further, I mean, since we're in L.A. talk, Drew Doughty. I mean, what the fuck? That guy's a farm animal. Yeah. <laughs> Ultimate competitor, man. Like he, I don't know. He's just so good. Name it. No, what, what does he do that's not good? He does everything so good. Um, what, do you, what do you make of all this battle of Alberta, him and uh, Kachuk going oh, at it and all that? Isn't it nice to see this stuff? Yes. I love it. Yeah. We talk about how great it was when that was all going down and the lead up to the next game. It's, oh, just, it's the best. It, and and it's, so, it's so rare now. It's missing. Uh, it, it's, and is it really hatred? I wouldn't even call it hatred. It's just two guys that are very, very good players, very, very competitive guys, both saying, screw you, I'm better than you. No, fuck you, I'm better than you. So it's like, it's nice to see. Like, I bet you if those guys met, they'd go for a beer and they'd laugh their asses off. Like, it's not a big deal. Um, I love the story. I think uh, Dewey's pretty funny, right? Like, he just kind of chirps. They both kind of chirp each other. Um, I don't know. Dewey's like such a good player. I mean, what can you say about him? He's just does everything right. And he's not even a guy that's like a super fitness freak or a guy that has to be crazy. But when the game is on, he is on. That's all there is to it. I got to ask you a quick story about uh, him. Did he, when uh, Sutter came in the room one time and he was giving a pregame speech, didn't he just rip the biggest fart like bare ass? (laughs) Were you in the room for that one? (laughs) <laughs> I don't remember, but I wouldn't put it past him. Like, like in the middle of talking and Dewey's bent over, bare ass. <laughs> and, and Sutter didn't say a fucking word, man. Like MJ shit. <laughs> Do whatever you want. Do, Dewey, Dewey and Sutter had a good relationship. That might have been a made-up story in my head, but we're sticking no, to it. I like it. We're going with it. Yeah. What time? What, we're in the finals? Uh, 2012? And, you know, like uh, in our room, there's like all these cords and there's like headphones on the floor for like TV or radio or whatever. And you can hear the guy through the headphones, whoever's in the truck, like check, check, check. It's in our meeting. And Daryl's fucking snapping and he goes over there and he rips all the cords out of the wall. But you can still still hear the Stanley Cup finals, guys. You can still hear the the guy on the – on through the headphones, like – Check, check, check. And then our assistant coach, it did Scott Stevens, goes over and there's like a knob on it. And he like turns the <laughs> The best. We're all dying. We're crying laughing. It was awesome. Oh, man. Oh, my goodness. That's the oh. shit that makes this podcast so friggin' awesome. Oh. Who would have ever known that Dallas <laughs> ripping walls out of wires out of wall? It does absolutely nothing. But it got the boys going, didn't it? 
What's oh, it was awesome, man. We were like, oh, that's funny shit. So uh, I would pay to watch that guy go turn the knob down right now yeah. and be there live in, in, in the room. Just turns it right down. We're all good. Everything's good. <laughs> hey, Fraz, I, I feel like you and Scuds must have got oh. along pretty well. Yeah, Scuds. We yeah, he likes his beers. Yeah, he's oh, yeah. he loves his beers. <laughs> He he would uh hey Scuds, what do you have for pregame meal today? Peanut butter jelly sandwiches, boys. <laughs> He's got four kids. It's just I'm like, are you kidding me? I can't I don't oh. eat peanut butter jelly sandwiches for pregame meal. <laughs> Phrase, you think you know, Anze Kopitar might be uh, one of the more underappreciated uh, players in the league? Not so much uh, underrated, but underappreciated. What's he gonna say here? No, <laughs> this guy's like. I like the question. All right, I like uh, it. I mean, let's hear how he answers it. I like how uh, he, he emphasized under. He already said he was one of the best players he ever played with. He's every bit as good for me as uh, name your Selkies. So name your Bergerons, your Taves, your Kesslers, whoever's up for the Selkie every year. Uh, if Kopi's in Chicago, LA, or sorry, Chicago, New York, name your market: Montreal, Toronto. We talk about him for a selkie every single year. He's like the ultimate uh, two-way centerman. He could have 100 points a year, but he only gets 70 because he doesn't cheat. He's wholesome, down-to-earth, normal, nice, good guy. Like, that's it. The best. He's every bit as good as those guys. For me, having played with him, uh, brings it every night. Um, doesn't get enough uh, recognition. So that's me. Thank you. Fucking okay. right, sorry. I like that. So yeah, I, I, I wanted to hear more. I don't mind so, off yeah. the stroke. I don't mind the stroke off sessions. <laughs> Who else you want to stroke off? That's Who we got, Ari? Ah, God, plenty, plenty of guys on that team. I mean, I'll I- give you one more, Jake, Jonathan Quick. Oh like, my goodness! For, for like, I don't know if he's ever has he won a Vesna. I'm not sure, but um, for a big game goal, like if I've got money on the line and it's a game seven, like he's my guy all day long. Because he's plays his best games in big games, and we're like, if you have that guy in your net, like he's the huge, maybe the biggest reason why LA was to be as successful as we were. Because I mean, there's no worries with that guy in the net. No problem. He's got it. Not a not a worry in the world. He's so so good. Doesn't have bad days, bad games. Yeah, he was on fire that year. You won the cup. Now, does that does that have a ripple effect on the team? Does the team get cocky when the when the goalie's that good, or do you try to keep that in check? Well, I think it's just that confidence. Like you just feel like you can just play, and it doesn't matter. You make your mistakes. You know he's got your back. Like in the playoffs, twenty twelve playoffs, uh, even fourteen, he's just like through the roof good. Like forty saves a night. It didn't matter. We're having a good night, bad game doesn't matter. We know quick. He's playing playing good and. Um, doing the pigeon skates when he during the regular season when he had a day off, this guy would stay on for the pigeon skate. And Billy Ramford, our goalie coach, would be like, "Hey, quick, you can go." And he'd be like, "No," and he'd take the shots for us because we'd always have to do it on an empty net. And it was like I always had so much respect for him just because he does not have to be out there. He plays sixty-five games a year, and here he is taking shots from the thirteenth forward and the seventh D man just because he's a a nice guy, really. So, um, we touched on the close knit group in, in Chicago. I mean, it was to a, a different level, especially during your, <clears throat> excuse me, your first run, where rumor has it you guys were going out partying like you wanted after every fucking round. 
Yeah, at the at the, the athletic did a did a story on the pony, the the pony, the bar we'd go to. It's true, hundred percent true. Everything in there is true, and uh, uh, how it came to be, Seabrook struck up a, a friendship with the manager, and that that was like our spot where it became the fans knew where we we went there, but at the time they didn't, and uh, we'd go there regularly. Yeah, they just close the curtains. The police would stick their nose in there, and oh yeah you guys are good. We'd be grilling up grilled cheese sandwiches and tomato soup in the kitchen. <laughs> like, and it was, it wasn't just like party guys. It was wives. It was girlfriends. It was, it was the whole group and the single guys. And it was a big reason why we were as good as we were, because we were like, it sounds cliche, but we really were this tight knit group. We really were like the single guys were friends with my wife who was friends with him. And it was like, there's none of this clicky, like, crazy bullshit it was just like this is who we are and we all get to hang out we're all still friends today like really a lot of us are well dude we can't thank you enough for coming on i think it's pretty clear when you when you when you listen to this why you were one of those glue guys and congrats on all your success in your career man this was a long time coming so thank you thank you we're actually about to talk to your boy boland yeah you guys played a shitload together huh what do you got on him for us Bully's a rat, and his name is the rat, and he is a rat, and (laughs) it's true. I don't know. He's like he didn't fight, but he played. I don't know outside the rules a little bit, and never got caught for it, kind of thing. If that makes sense, like Corey Perry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the worm. I heard you guys talking about him. I always chirp Perry. The rat. Both London Knights too. What do you go figure? Pairs, just score 50 goals and make 10 million. Like, why do you got to do the other bullshit with it? Like, just like, I'm just out here trying to make Because if we, Because if he didn't, we'd have nothing to talk about. Yeah. Um, listen, we got to get you back on at some point, man. You're a legend. Thank you so much. This is right up our alley. Um, and we still got to talk about like Justin Williams. We didn't talk about Richards in, in LA at all. So you have an open invite to come back on, pal. We can uh, we can keep going uh, the uh, yeah we can keep going any day of the week really I, I love story time with the boys okay we'll get so you back we. on man you're the best all right boys thank you thanks so much phrase big thanks to phrase for joining us man that like I said biz that hour flew by it was good stuff hopefully you folks enjoyed it as well I, I got a note here from my buddy Timmy Stapleton this year the Sandbagger Invitational is brought to you by Boykies. It's B-O-I-K-E-Y-S. Boykies makes the most delicious air-dried beef called Biltong. Think of a healthier version of jerky with 30% more protein. Boykies Biltong is often compared to a tender and flavorful slice of high-end prosciutto with ingredients that you can pronounce like red wine vinegar, toasted coriander, rosemary, and salt and pepper. Boykies Biltong is a snack you can count on to fill you up and not bring you down. Made in the U.S. with USDA bottom round beef, Boykies takes pride in making up the, making the most portable, high-protein power snack. Think of each 2-ounce package as a perfectly seasoned 5-ounce steak. The only preservatives they use are vinegar and salt, and compared to most jerky, Biltong contains half the sodium and zero sugar. You can buy Boykies <laughs> Biltong on the site at www.boikeys.com. That's Boykies, and you can go to Amazon as well. Use the code BIZ20 at checkout for 20% off your first order, and follow them on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Eat Boykies.
Des, I know you love the I know you love the high pitched Boykies there. Boykies. I did that uh, that voice in the ECHL player relief fund videos, which they sponsored as well. So thank you to Timmy Stapleton. I said, hey, s- send over a read. He sends me the sandbagger one, so he's getting a little lazy on us. Amazing product. We tried it when we were actually doing the first sandbagger when we were in uh, in in Texas there. With uh, very healthy. Uh, I don't want I don't want to like rip on beef jerky, but I like this built tongue better. It, and and like I said, less consequences on the body. Oh, dude, we house about five boxes of it every time we get together on the road. It's definitely good stuff. And of course, you know, you're helping out a buddy of ours. Everybody knows steaks, probably the funniest show we ever done. So if you like uh built tongue, jerk well it's not jerky, it's built tongue. Check it out. It's good stuff. Uh since our last episode, we saw the last two parts of The Last Dance on ESPN, the Michael Jordan last season documentary. Uh, I thought it was pretty good overall. I don't think it was the best documentary ever. Uh, it was fun to watch. I'd probably watch a couple more hours. But at the end of the day, it was still an MJ production, so they weren't going to make him look all that bad. Uh, Horace Grant already come out and said he called bullshit on some of it. He said it was some some of it was just fucking fake and outright lies. But that's what happens when the guy who's you know the the subject of it is making it. But overall, I give it probably a solid B, probably a B plus. What do you got, Wit? I I enjoyed it. Yeah, I I do agree that. Uh, would have been a little different if it was a, you know, an unbiased party that that is is doing the entire production. I, like I bet you, Jordan was the one that went on and said Horace Grant told that reporter everything in one of the uh, in one of the episodes. That's probably where he's like, no, I didn't. And Jordan is so adamant that he's yeah. Imagine trying to convince Michael Jordan that he's a stubborn he, guy. Yeah, like he's probably like, no. Horace did it. So who knows? The thing that I took away, um. I had no two things. I had no idea at the end of game six, you know, the game they won, the last dance. I didn't realize he drove the net, made it a one point game. They were down three. Then he steals it from Malone. Then he goes up court and buries the winner. I, what, what an insane like minute or however much time ran off the clock there. And the other thing was Steve Kerr's father. Being murdered. I had no idea. Did you know that already? Yeah. Yeah. I knew that. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. That was just like, some of the most intense viewing and, and what he went through and how he didn't miss a game, I think, at college and just a, a crazy story. And it was, it was, I'm not going to say funny, but it was interesting because I think they asked Kerr if he ever talked, if Michael and him ever talked about both their fathers being, being murdered. And he said no. So, yeah, I, I enjoyed it for sure, especially right now. And I don't think it was like the best documentary of all time. Yeah, he he had that sorry Biz, that preemptive statement. Oh, you're gonna you're not gonna like me after you watch this. I think he was saying that just so people would fucking think it was gonna be worse or something. Because you know it was almost like house cleaning for him, a housekeeping for him. It, it made him look better. I would I think more, more so than worse. Yeah, but I I I think that 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 was um, none of that making him look better was was wasn't true i mean all it's like it reminded everyone about what this guy did i i didn't grin i've never been a basketball fan i didn't really understand the depths of how incredible he was and how big they were like that was like the beatles type shit and what he did i mean six and oh in the finals you kidding me so yeah it reminded everyone that he is the goat what uh, what made him the goat was how confident he was in pr- uh, press conferences after games, even when they'd lost. He was so cool. Um, the, going back to the Horace Grant thing, it's funny, and I kind of believe Horace Grant because they talked about Michael making up the story of that guy he was playing against just so he could pretend to hate his guts to beat him. Yeah, that was well, incredible. Like he's like, I never said that. 
<laughs> in Michael's mind, he did because he'd made it up. So maybe that's what happened with the Horace Grant situation. Um, fascinating uh, with with how they played out the Utah Jazz situation, and uh, what was what was like cool was how uh, I mean, even after games, like like Larry Bird came over when they'd beaten the Pacers. How he walked over, Carl Malone when he'd gotten beat, he walks onto the bus all the way to the back to shake his hand. And Mike just had an aura about him, and when when it came down to it, he could just execute. It was he, and uh, the most fascinating takeaway from everything, and what what I think made him so great is his ability to stay in the moment, and they emphasize that towards the end, where it was like you know he he lived in the moment most of the time, if not all the time, and and being that big. It, that would be difficult. It seemed like he didn't get caught up in everything too, too much, given the size at what he was. And now you can understand why some of these athletes, I mean, we talked to Kalorn earlier. Like, imagine being Tom Brady and now you move to Tampa and you're on that, you're, you're, you're now on the marina or whatever you call it. And all these people are coming up invading your privacy. I, I, I touched on it a few episodes ago. That would be fucking hell. It'd be hell. But yeah, if you love if you if you love dominating like these guys do, like it's totally w- they're willing and it's worth it to them. They don't care because they're win- like all they're doing is winning. They can live with all the other bullshit because they're just the best at what they do. And I think uh, I think the trash talking is to a different level when you get to the NBA. And uh, I actually reached out to that Richard Jefferson who was fortunate enough to win an NBA championship with LeBron James, and he's a close friend of his. He, he said he's familiar with our podcast and he's willing to join us. So it'd be nice to pick his brain on his thoughts on it and, and also uh, you know another guy who's basically trying to chase Jordan. So You think he'll uh, sign my NBA poster in my room? Sick, the sick league poster? Yeah, sick <laughs> league. Uh, should, we get him to, should we get him in on ripping on the NBA? He probably loves it. Didn't he make like eighty million? That guy, Richard Jefferson, made a lot of dough. Yeah, he played for a long time. All right, boys. Well, before we wrap up, uh, we did have a couple of notes I wanted to pass along. Uh, former NHLer Kyle Quincy, his young son Axel uh, was recently diagnosed with brain cancer. So we here at Spitting Chicklets want to send along our best wishes to Axel and uh, as he goes and kicks cancer's butt because uh, we know he's going to do that. So we're behind you, buddy, and uh, in your family as well. Uh, Monday is Memorial Day. Uh, we want you folks to enjoy your long weekend here in the States. Take a moment to recognize uh, those who gave all for your country as well. If you, you know, just a moment or two. I like to do that on that day, so you should do that as well. And, uh, boys, any other notes you wanted to add before we uh, send people off for the week? No. Well Chicklets Cup right. Friday. Frankie Borelli versus Pat Connington of the Bucks. Tune in on Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and BarstoolSports.com. And John Scott will be popping by, and we may have another special guest. Uh, a few things that we didn't, we weren't able to touch on, but we can glance over is, uh, apparently Megan Fox is dating Machine Gun Kelly now. That was, I think Megan Fox in her prime was probably the, you know, when they say celebrity crush, her in the first Transformers was up there for me. So that's why I felt the need to mention it. And, uh, did you guys see that clip of people fucking in the subway yes. in NYC? Yes. Nothing surprises me with the fucking New York City subway. I've been walking down the street. I've been walking down the street and seen two people fucking in between cars here in New York City. This is and I was told to keep walking. My computer's dying, guys. I love you guys. I love you, (laughs) listeners. I'll uh, I'll see you Friday night, Chicklets Cup. Peace. On that nut. As always, we want to send big thanks to our awesome sponsors. Big thanks to all our friends at New Amsterdam Vodka and Pink Whitney. A big thank you to our friends over at Roman. Keep doing what you're doing. A huge thanks to all our friends over at Bell Light. 
Big thank you to everyone at DHM Detox for making us feel good after those Bud Lights. And a big thanks to our friends over at Boykies. Hopefully you check that stuff out. It's good stuff. Have a great week, everybody. Well, I was born in a small town. And I need a small town. Same small town